What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, my voice sounds like hot garbage, but, uh, you know, it's fine. Vocal fry is in now, right? Uh, sure. So if I just go down here, you know, and just talk in a robot voice, like we'll get like 10,000 downloads. So that's just <laughs> that's just what we have to do. Uh, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's why our downloads aren't so great is cause you know, we're just not doing the cool thing that all the, the hip kids are doing. We're not doing the vocal fry. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, this was a really kind of an exciting episode for me because I'm a, a huge, a huge, huge, huge fan, uh, of Born of Osiris. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> It's funny, and as you know, everyone probably who has clicked on this already knows, uh, Lee McKinney of Born of Osiris is our guest. He has a solo record that is out and has been out for a little bit, Infinite Mind, uh, which is also the name of his podcast. And he also has an MMA podcast he just recently started, The Art of the Breakdown. Uh, all Kind of a collection of those things is why uh, he ended up coming on to the show. Uh, but as you'll hear, that's not necessarily what we really explicitly talk about. Um, this is a very, very loose, off-the-cuff conversation. Um, one of those ones that when it, it's kind of happening, you're just like, wow, I can't believe we got here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a fly-on-the-wall uh, kind of situation, especially for me. This is one that I definitely wish I would have been on, but uh, I, I just wasn't because I suck. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, um, things have just been crazy at work. So I'm just like, here, John, here, you, I- I'm going to do to you what my work does to me. Here's a whole bunch of extra work to go do. Um, but yeah, no, this was, this was really good. And I, I, I like that. I like that you guys got, I, I like that you guys went where you did considering we had kind of an episode similar to that, that nobody got to hear, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It feels very much like that episode, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's like we're getting a redo. <laughs> Um, yeah, th- I mean, it's interesting because sometimes, especially with instrumental music, which is what Lee's solo record is, it's all instrumental. It's really weird. And, and you know, and Dan and I talk about this quite a bit where, you know, you, you talk to some of these musicians and your thing is like, oh, this is what I'm getting from this. I'm right. Right. <laughs> and uh, sure. Yeah. And so it kind of it gets funny when sometimes like you stumble across some real shit kind of inadvertently. And that's sort of what happened with this is. You know, you know, as Lee kind of says, and I don't necessarily want to spoil it in the intro here, but the concept of how Infinite Mind came to be and and a lot of the themes kind of that inspired the music. I don't think if I just would have asked him what inspired it, I would have gotten the answer that I I ultimately did and unearthed. But it was in that something I've been doing more recently. And, and, you know, I know it's kind of now become like my thing, like where I'm like, oh, my therapy. But, you know, I had a session yesterday with my therapist and I was making the comment to to them about how it's almost like in this last month I've been seeing in 2D my whole life and they've given me the keys to to see in 3D and you're just kind of like holy shit does anyone else know about this <laughs> Dude have you guys seen what green smells like Yeah yeah so it's uh it's one where I honestly think had I not kind of opened up uh, and kind of shared some of the stuff I've, I've been thinking and going through, I don't really know that Lee kind of would have been inclined to do the same. I think there's a certain realness to that, though. Um, it's kind of kind of a quid pro quo. Did I say that right? Um, I so. Probably. I don't know. I 
I've only ever heard the term on Silence of the Lambs, so you know I'm not really smart or anything. But um, I, I have found that as well. Um, where if you're if you're willing to give up something, if you're willing to, and it's not like it's not like juicy tidbits. It's not like I'm going to tell you something deeply personal about me just so that you will also open up and be deeply personal with me. Um, because I mean there there is something to be said about being too forthright with someone. You know, um, we've all we've all run into that person in public, uh, at least not recently maybe not recently but um you know you run into that person at the doctor's office and before you know somebody sits down next to you before you know it you find out their spouse is cheating on them and they're gonna do all this stuff and i'm I'm making this example not because i think that's what john did here uh but just more of a reading the room sort of situation um and and realizing that there there is there is more below the surface that you know sometimes if you're for the sake of conversation this kind of goes back to a little bit like when you were talking to dewey about you know how how the conversation is the product Mm mm-hmm it's not it's not who the guest is or, or, or um, you know, how many how many downloads we think we're going to get or, or whether, you know, Blabbermouth is going to run an article on on what was said or or whatever. But like that, that the product that we make is um, is conversation. And, and I think I think a conversation like this is a fantastic example of that, where two people basically were like, yeah, um, things things have not been have not been totally great <laughs> you know um and it it it's completely absent of the of the fakeness uh that i think sometimes exists in interview culture uh it would be a stretch to even call this an interview you know uh in in, in that regard it was really um two guys having a very i think important conversation it's kind of interesting being the person involved in this like i you know, make no bones that when I set up interviews, you know, I'll type out questions. And lately I've just, I'll have the questions that I normally would have, but I don't use them. Um, I think in the last probably month and a half or so, I just, I haven't, um, you know, it was kind of interesting in the episode you'll hear next week, um, with Joanna angel, you know, talking about her book. Like I had questions written down, but she kind of flipped it on me during right away almost. And was just kind of like, you know, how do you feel about this book? And ask me questions about what I was going to talk to her about. And then I just kind of found a way to talk about the things I had been thinking about. And we just had a conversation. And it's one of those where it's kind of nice. And I'm kind of finding a little bit more of a, a way to do that, not feel so uh, awkward about it. Because again, here we go. Something I've learned, uh, at least for me, that I, I tend to do is overthink. And something that we've been working on in my therapy is talking about like cognitive uh, behavior therapy. And something that we address in that is, you know, in my struggles, it's overthinking something to the point of like, well, if I say this or I do this, this is going to be like this person's like five different reactions when you don't know that you don't know what the outcome of something's going to be. And you kind of have to be present uh, in a lot of your life and in a lot of conversations and relationships. And I think that's something that, you know, Dewey and I have talked quite a bit about. And if you listen to his show, that's something that he has always kind of done is just be very present and very there, uh, which I think allows the guest uh, to find a connection because more oftentimes than not, I think when we have conversations with people, people either a, a, we don't talk very much anymore. Um, so that's kind of lost. Secondly, I think everyone's so worried about what someone's going to say. If you admit some real shit and at times this podcast 
as I've kind of have learned, is a great way to at times talk to a stranger and kind of say some real shit. And it's like you don't know them and they don't know you. So if at the end of the day, like it doesn't really go anywhere or whatever, like it's no skin because like it, nothing they say will really hurt you. Um, yeah. And like it's it's like Marin kind of in that way where, you know, it's yeah, yeah, great. You got a book. It's coming out. Everybody's going to love it. It's it's cool. Yeah. Check it out. Everybody check it out. You know, or hey, you have a new record. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's awesome. Let's check. Um, so, you know, the other day I was uh, driving my dog to the veterinarian. You know what I mean? Like, and it just kind of like feels more like a real conversation with somebody, which I think is really, really important in our, you know, current society where we don't have those, you know, I talked about like, oh yeah, you know, you're always running to that person at the post office or you end up on a bus next to somebody doing this or the doctor's office waiting room or something like that. Uh, and a lot of those, a lot of people haven't had that experience in a while. And even though a lot of people, especially me, have complained about things like that in the past, um, you know, I think that people listening to conversations like this, this is something that they that they want, you know, um, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, but I, I, I found it enjoyable. Um, and it's funny listening to some of these conversations, because sometimes John will just pull something out that I don't even know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and we talk all the time. So it, it's it's uh, it, it just really goes to show, like, no matter how well, you know, somebody that there there's always something there or something going on that you're not privy to, you know. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a really good segue, actually, to get into this conversation with Lee. We'll talk to you all on the other side of it. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. You got that crystal clear audio. That's awesome. Well, when you spend as much money on shit, you would hope that it fucking sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have uh, no video of me? No. No. Oh, here we go. Sweet. This is my second Zoom meeting. Oh, this is my first. This is my, well, (laughs) my family did one. And it, like, I don't think the, whoever set it up, I don't think paid for it. So it turned into this thing where it was like, Literally everyone in my family was like, why do you look and sound better than us? And I was like, well, because you're using your phone and trying to put it on your fucking TV. And I have like a $500 mic through a mixer, through a computer with a nice Uh webcam and all that. Like, this is kind of what I do. (laughs) That's amazing. So, but no, I've been using uh, StreamYard, which it sounds like from a lot of the podcasts I listen to, like Jostu is bitching about this because like you you can't can't customize this, at least not the any way that I could see. Um, so like if you use uh, StreamYard, um, like I can have like my podcast logo in the background. I can have it be like an inlay or an overlay, I should say, like in the corner. I can add <clears throat> like videos and shit or some other stuff I can do. And it's uh, it's to me, I think so far, only one person is kind of bitched about it. And the only thing they said was I didn't know I needed to have Google Chrome. Oh, and yeah. other than that, other than that one thing, everyone was, has been like, dude, this is kind of legit. This is nice. I've never seen this. And I'm like, so yeah, I feel halfway bad now because she uh, just asked me if I had one or the other. And this is the one I said that I know I could access 
with yeah, internet no. browser. So I wasn't anti the other one. I just never. No, heard. it's it's. I know it's still a thing where like just like it's it's not well known. Like as everyone uses this, like you know, I've made the comment too. It's like nothing was wrong with Skype. Skype still works great. I don't yeah. know why everyone was like all of a sudden like, oh my god, this is the new thing. We all need to hop on Zoom, and I'm like, right. That's Do a good we question. It's like, like what's the real difference? There isn't any other than this is. <laughs> I mean, it's just like anything. What's the new thing? This. Okay. Yep. Well, is there necessarily a need to, you know, need to have this? And it's like, no, not necessarily. But um, okay. That is too funny. It sounds correct to me. Yeah. Um. I'm just. I see a recording thing on my side. I just want to make sure that it's recording you too. So how do you, I don't know if this is already, we already started and this is boring for people, but how do you record this? Uh, the, this, I don't know. That That's why I'm uh, like figuring this all out. Like, I'm like, is it, cause I, like I said, I see it's recording on my side, um, but I don't see the same icon next to yours. So I don't know if I had it set up to where it's going to separate our tracks anyway. So per how Skype works, the software I use, like that's what it does is it'll separate it into two audio tracks. So I can, you know, level them out or whatever, if I want the other app that I use StreamYard, um, it will record the video and the audio. And then I just sit, download those separate files and then go from there. Um, kind of, I mean, it depends on how lazy you want to be. Cause the one thing that sort of sucks is like, at least for StreamYard, you can't separate your track and mine. It's just all on one, but gotcha. in the grand scheme of things, I've kind of like let go of, being like oh there needs to be two separate tracks and i gotta level them both and then mm-hmm. like put them back together because at the end of the day people know we're talking over the internet so i mean if there's like a little bit of a connection issue it's like well then i'm fucking sorry like that's how we literally were talking and you heard it exactly how i did i'm sorry i didn't ask them to record their own fucking audio as well like not that big of a deal <laughs> i've seen some major podcasts famous people and definite audio differences so i don't think that uh it's a big deal dude one of my favorites that i always used to make a joke about like when people would complain about like the audio or something is i'd be like did you ever listen to brandon from a bleeding throughs podcast like that dude has has more money than i did or do and i was like and that dude sounded like he put his like microphone on like voice note and then put it like halfway across the room in an an abandoned (laughs) warehouse and then interviewed somebody (laughs) and i was like and that dude had the money to buy nice microphones or something so like i if you if people listen listen to that no one complained about that then you need to shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) um i was gonna kind of just keep this really loose because i know like you've been redoing or restarting another podcast with the uh the art of the breakdown podcast which is still in your infinite mind feed which you know i'm gonna kind of start there just because i think this is interesting you know a lot of people have podcasts and some people will branch off and do other things um you know, like more kind of at people at your level, I would say, you know, like you see Josta's got like, I think three different fucking podcasts now. Mm-hmm. And I, and sometimes they'll drop them into the same feed. And I totally understand why you do like why someone would do that. Cause you've already created one Avenue and it doesn't create like, okay, for this one, go to iTunes again, resubscribe to this one and so forth. It also kind of is a nice little like a uh, numbers boost, you know, like of, okay, I have these two things and congruently those numbers equal out to this, mm-hmm. but kind of, what was kind of walk me through your mindset of because uh, is infinite mind podcast still going to be something you do or is now art of the breakdown kind of your main focus? I'm doing both. So basically I might let you down here, but um, basically I just, I kind of done all this alone and I'm right. learning as I go. And uh, you know, when it comes to infinite mind, I set up, I think SoundCloud or something, and then that sends it to 
uh, iTunes and sends it to Spotify and, and whatever else it may be. Um, and then when I was wanted to do like my publicist said, hey, you should do just like a fight thing for fun. You're watching it. Might as well talk about it and engage with people. And I was like, you know what? That's a good point. I'm already watching all the stuff and I'm already listening to podcasts in that world. So why not just maybe connect with people? So I started it. And then like the second I uploaded it, wow, second I uploaded it, um, I was like, oh, I guess I'll just put it up in the same place. Otherwise, I'd have to like have a log out of SoundCloud, log back in and have all these different emails and different things. So I might be letting you down, but it's just the sake of being easy that <laughs> it's all the well, same Because it's funny, like I use SoundCloud as well. I mean, I looked through a lot of different avenues and felt like for the sake of ease of uploading and, and just kind of its distribution everywhere, mm-hmm. that it wasn't like some of these other sites, you know, like a Podbeam or something like that, where, you know, oh, we have an insider track to get you on like Spotify and shit like that. When that was a little bit a harder area to get into, if you weren't like Joe Rogan or whatever. Um, But now that it's like kind of level across the playing field, it was just one of those where it's like, you see a lot of people who are kind of like, well, you should separate things, you know, cause it starts turning into this like whole, like IP kind of thing. It's like, okay, like kind of should separate these things. So you're not kind of murkying up your stuff. But then sometimes I'm like, yeah, but like, if you've already built a fan base or you have a fan base for your one thing, why wouldn't you kind of want to get it right to them anyway? Cause they're kind of who you're catering to anyway. So it's just one of those that in, in this, it's interesting to kind of talk to some other creative people who are doing this and kind of figure out like, why are they choosing to do something uh, yeah. versus, you know, other ways. I'm probably doing everything the wrong way. <laughs> Even right now, for example, like, it would be cool if I was talking to my microphone, giving you that perfect audio, sending that to you. But like, I don't know how to do these things. For example, I'm on a laptop now. When I do the podcast, I have my, I'm in my studio. So the actual, this is, I don't, it's like a desktop, right? Um, so like I record the audio into like Cubase or whatever. I film with my camera. Then I have to export all that stuff into, you know, wherever it's going to be edited. Whereas I know people like, they'll hit go and it's all just in there like the the audio the video it's like in one thing they can export it i just like yeah i'm I'm so new to all of it and i feel like um you know just having all this time off i haven't been able to like go out on tour or talk to people that also do this but you for example and be like hey what's the smoothest way to go about this because i don't really know what the answer is i'm just kind of Wing what was it. so funny is listening to your most recent episode of the uh, the Art of the Breakdown podcast. I was like, because at times you're stopping and talking. And I was like, who the fuck are you talking to? And like, <laughs> I was like, it almost seems like this is a live stream, but it's it, it, I don't think it is. And then I happened to go look on YouTube and see that essentially it was you were replying to or responding to, you know, people that were commenting and so forth. And I was like, oh, oh, so he's kind of doing like what I know other people to do, which is that's kind of your main source. And then you drop the audio into a feed. And I was like, okay, like totally get it. I've done that too. But it was just, it wasn't explained at any point that that's what, what was happening. So I was just like, Wait, why, who who are you talking to? Like, yeah, and it took a, me a minute to figure that out. I've got but, a lot of uh, improvements to go. I think like um, even like an intro with like some music or something, like there's so many ways I can upgrade. I'm just so new into it. Yeah. And also, like, I'm in the studio like nine to five. It's kind of my thing, basically. I'll, I'll kind of start on that. But, um, you know, a lot of musicians were blessed to do what we do. And they come home and I notice that they'll like, they'll be like, maybe I'll write this day. Maybe I won't write this day. And it's cool that we have the freedom to, to make that schedule be what we want it to be. But for me, like, I my favorite part is the writing stuff. Hmm. And so for me, like, when my wife goes to work nine to five ish, roughly, um, I just treat 
this is my work day in music. And I also think that, you know, some people work amazing at night, but for me, like, I, I think the brain's like a muscle. It's like, uh, I, I'm fresh. My ears are fresh. My mind is fresh in the morning and that's just me. So there's different people, but so yeah, so nine to five is kind of my zone of music. And so the podcasting thing is something I'm new at and enjoy doing, but it's kind of in my time that I'm my spare time, you know what I mean? So it's not like a first priority. And so when it comes to solving X, Y, Z issue or making this feel more natural to the viewer or um, better intro, like just making it more professional. Um, that's like, I need to just really honestly just say, I'm not doing music for a week or two. And I'm going <laughs> to focus on cleaning this up and do that. But, um, you know, at the moment, it's just kind of my, uh, you know, second priority when it comes to when I'm in the studio or whatever. It's interesting that you say, you know, that you are treating kind of creating music like a, a nine to five. I know, you know, the interesting thing, listening to a lot of different podcasters and even talking to, I'm sorry, a lot of musicians and a lot of people who are kind of in your boat where it's like you have the home studio and the home setup and so forth. It's been interesting to see how you all tackle it. You know, some people uh, like Tom Smith from the Acacia Strain, I know that he's going to start showcasing more of his writing, like how he writes and how he puts together songs. And, you know, I think he's going to start doing that on Twitch anytime now. But it's interesting mm -hmm. to kind of, because all of you are home and because all of you have these things that you would be normally recording with anyway, that it turns into now we kind of get to see more of the behind the scenes thing because so many of us have access to the same tools you have to record at home, but maybe not necessarily the expertise that you all have grown to have from maybe getting like the beta versions of some of these things where you just know more yeah. inherently how to use these. Um, is that something maybe that you would be into kind of doing is showcasing more of your actual songwriting from start to finish? Yeah. So again, this is another thing that I just don't know. So, you know, when you watch like on YouTube, but maybe it's, are you familiar with like get good drums? That's something that comes to example, just an example, right? So you'll yeah. see me do a video and he's talking through his new product and you see his screen. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I'm like, I would love to do all that. You know, I, I bought this like, uh, microphone zoom stand here a boom stand whatever you want to call it connected to the desk because i i also play world of warcraft like and, and video games for example when i'm in the studio because when i get to the studio in the morning like to say uh, first i open cubase which is what i record in and so i'll start doing something and if i if i make an hour worth of work and i get it done cool if i don't have an idea i'll i'll stop i'll put on world of warcraft and then i'll just put music on the second screen so it's actually a part of my writing process because with with if you're doing Call of Duty, which I also think is a fun game, like you want to hear footsteps and all this, you need to hear all these details. So I like World of Warcraft A just because I've played it forever, um, but um, B because like I can listen to new music and put on a play YouTube and let it go down a rabbit hole of a band that I click and like, but then all of a sudden I hear of three new bands and doing, or all of a sudden it's on Tigran Hamasean who's playing piano and like all crazy jazz stuff and like. So it goes down a rabbit hole. Meanwhile, like I'm looking at this beautiful game and this beautiful scenery in this other world. And and um, so, anyways, the the reason I bring that up is just because uh, it's like I I was like, okay, so I'm playing video games as a part of my process, anyways. So why don't I stream? So I'll do Twitch because I used to do Twitch on my old setup. Um, and for whatever reason, it's not reading my interface. And I'm having dude, no same. I so. I have like my ex new Xbox and a bunch of other shit. My TV, I bought a capture card. Basically, this laptop was going to be the, the laptop to do all that shit through. And mm -hmm. it, I know it works because the connection to everything will allow me to play my video games, but it won't like can't get everything to fucking work together. And I'm like, yep. 
like I own all this shit. Like, why doesn't it fucking work? <laughs> yeah. You know, if it was up to me, um, for example, I, I've done, uh, since the discovery, which is our third record, mm-hmm. like seven years or 10 years, whatever it was ago. I don't remember, but, um, <laughs> the, I started like getting more into like the, the editing and like the actual tracking and, and engineering of records. And then since then each one, I have more and more, uh, say in it or not say, but more work. So, my new solo album, my second one that I have done that is going to be coming out this year hmm. is the first one I came in here, tracked, engineered, edited, mixed and mastered all by myself. Um, and so that's one thing that I would like once it's out and people have interest, I would like to go and say, here's my session. Take a look at how I did it, because I know hmm. I've personally learned so much from YouTube tutorials of guys that I look up to their mix and mastering. and. Um, you know, uh, URM Academy and Get Good Drums, whatever it is in that world of, of recording that I like, their tutorials have helped me and I'd love to take all the knowledge I've gained from that. Plus, Born of Osiris, like we've been lucky enough since 2007 to record with like big name producers. And I'm always that guy over their shoulder, like, how'd you do this? How'd you? Like, I'm kind of the sponge always. And so not only do, have I have knowledge from tutorials that people find on the internet, but I have my personal knowledge of, of working with all these dudes that were big two old dudes that wouldn't have anything to do with YouTube or whatever. So I have a lot of knowledge that I'd love to share with people then um, return the favor. But again, I just don't know how to record this screen and then my voice because it won't pick up. Um, you know, when I set my interface to be to pick up or when I set my microphone to say, hey, this is the interface, it doesn't give me the input, but I have a bunch of inputs. So like, I don't know, the computer is just giving me hell. In recording software, it, I can control the lines and what yeah. what everything is. But yeah. when I select this interface for my computer for Twitch, it seems to select the interface, but doesn't know which input to look for. Something like that. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it's like I've said, like, you know, I, I'm not most technologically proficient with a lot of these things, like something yeah. in talking to a few other podcasters and so forth is, you know, it's kind of funny. You you learn what you learn and then you just kind of figure out how to make that sound the best you can. But yeah. it's it's kind of interesting because, I mean, it's like, you know, I had a really nice uh, mixing board that I bought that was kind of specifically for podcasts. It was like a $500 mixing board and it mm-hmm. sounded great, but then it just had like connection issues. So like it wouldn't like connect with my laptop for whatever reason. So like when I wanted to go do something a little more portable, that wasn't really an option. And then I just kind of kept coming back to like, well, I don't need all these things cause I'm not really not doing anything with them. So it kind of becomes a thing where you're sort of chasing you're chasing what you think is going to be the greatest thing. And then you buy it and you're like, uh, this actually this hundred dollar thing I've had for a while that works really fucking good. I should just stick with that. Cause it works and it's consistent. I mean, it's like, you know, very recently, uh, you know, being a, a novice guitar player at best, um, I've always been partial to ESPs and EMG pickups. Mm-hmm. And very recently, uh, through a couple of friends, Ken, Susie, and a few others really kind of pushing the Fishman's finally broke down and bought a pair of Fishman's and a guitar I bought, and I've been blown away by it. Yep. And it's been one of those where it's like having that new piece of gear has kind of reinvigorated kind of like my want to keep playing and, and kind of find new ways to play with different tones. Like your, your tweet earlier today where it's like, you know, when you're playing a solo, you don't have to keep fucking with your tone knobs <laughs> and shit. And I was just like, dude, I'm kind of doing the same thing though. Like, cause like with the push pull system that it's got, it essentially has, I think, three or f- three or four voicings that you can get out of your pickups, and you're just kind of like, okay, like that one sounds like this. What does this one sound like? Or yeah. sound like when you got them both going? And then you know, I recently switched from like what I call like a, a poor man, like a hobo Kemper, which is like the old uh, Line Six, like uh, the Helix. 
No, I wasn't the it was like pre that even. Um oh, it wow. was like the the Hot spider HD. it was like the oh. the spider or whatever where it had like all the tones from like Dino from Fear Factory and Kill Switch and like a shitload of people plus other presets. Um that thing spoiled me because I'm like, yo, this has got some baller ass like tones in it, like that are just dialed in. And then I bought uh this thing right behind me, the new uh uh, 5153 with the EL 30, uh, 34s in it. Oh, but wow. like, <laughs> I've not had to dial in a tone in so fucking long that I just sat there and like, my wife finally came in at one point and was like, it just all sounds the same. And I'm like, no, it doesn't because the, the mids are out of this one and this one's got a little more presence. And then I had to start buying pedals. So it's just like, you kind of get lost in gear and stuff like that. And you're searching for what you think is going to make it the best. But sometimes the best is just the most simple thing. Um, yeah, that's life. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, I kind of. Uh, you know, it's funny. I wanted to just say real quick the uh, the line six head you have. We used that on our first record, the new rain, and uh, <laughs> it's funny because I saw on. I don't know if you've heard of this Facebook group called Gent Shit Posting. Yeah, but I'm in that group on Facebook. It's like the only group I'm in on Facebook, but it's funny. And um, someone posted a picture of the new rain album cover, which is ours, and then um, the Vale of Meyer record that came out shortly after that. Um, and they're like, I don't know what tone is but they had it on these records and the funniest thing is we went to the same studio and used the same line six spider <laughs> <laughs> for that record so it's just funny you bring that up because it's old school and uh and we used it on that record and um the record sounds similar for sure <laughs> but uh but it's just funny because yeah you know not even to go deep and say in life but it's so true man we're chasing all the time all the time we're chasing this will make me happy when i have this this will make me happy when i have this things will be good when i have this well when it comes to life i've noticed from getting a record contract to a first music video to selling x amount of records when i hit those marks i don't mean to be depressing but it doesn't give me that high that i thought i would have and even when you break it down to guitar playing i think 90 percent of the tone comes from your hands anyways like my yep. favorite guitar player guthrie govan I, I swear the dude could pick up one of those old amps that used to clip to your belt with like three watts or whatever and make that thing sound incredible, you know? And, and I just think that, uh, you know, everybody, it's a game of chasing things that you don't have, but that truly is life and uh, not even trying to go deep. But it's just something I've thought about lately a lot because being locked away and not being able to tour for a year and not being able to see people from out of town as much and having to watch funds a little more because I've literally haven't worked in a year to be so it's like oh i can't just take trips and go visit people either because i would be financially responsible and all these things and so i'm like i've been going through that lately a lot in my head where it's like i gotta stop realizing chasing that once i have this or if i could go there if i could do this i'll be happy and just look around in my studio at all the incredible things that i have that maybe another person would be like if i only had that or if i only had that and the fact that i have them and i like sit here and take it for granted it's just a I guess I'm on a journey right now mentally this past year to figure out what I really believe. Well, I mean, I think that's what a lot of us have been doing. And, you know, it's it's been kind of hard not to have this kind of creep into to my chats recently just because it's something I don't want to say it's profound, but it's been it's had an interesting impact on me, which is going to therapy uh, over the last like three weeks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't like anything like where I was like, oh, my God, my life sucks and I need to go talk to someone. It was just more of taking on emotional baggage of other people being kind of an empath and then, you know, deciding that, you know, with an, an event that happened, basically just being like, dude, I can't do this. any, I can't take this shit on anymore. Like I came to the realization that it's like, you know, I lost an, uh, a relative and then lost a close friend within a week of each other. And because of circumstances, it's like, 
you know, like I realize, like in death, and and I honestly think it goes even beyond that one if you really think about it. But like, you, I'll just use the death as an example. Like, there was so much surrounding my uncle's death where I was like, okay, is he going to be in Tennessee or is he going back home to Delaware? Like, where the fuck are we going? When when is shit going to happen? I need to buy plane tickets. I need to like hotels. Let my work know. Like, there's just a lot of shit you got to do. And by the time you're done with all the traveling, all the other stuff, and just kind of everything, not really grieving necessarily. You're just kind of getting there to be present for the thing that you're not even really being present for. And mm-hmm. then you're going right back into your life because that's all that we as a society kind of will allow you to have. And it just is one of those things where you're not really even given technically a proper time to kind of grieve or really think about these things. And then when you kind of do, you're like, fuck, it's been like six months. Like, why is this hitting me now? And then you kind of start like looking back and you're like, oh, because I was in the middle of like a really stressful time at my job. So I was more focused on that or just, you know, things like that. We're always kind of chasing the other thing, I guess, or just chasing shit in general. And it's been a thing to me in the last couple of weeks, like I said, of, of kind of doing therapy of just kind of really, you know, stopping and thinking about difference in perspectives, you know, like that's been a big one that a topic that we brought up where it's like, you know, you may, you and I may talk about something and, and I go, Oh, well, this is obviously what Lee means. And then you might explain a little bit more. And I'm like, Oh fuck. I totally didn't see it from that perspective. And it completely will change your way of thinking. And I think, you know, with a lot of things that we ha- have all gone through, I've, either a i would hope that there's been a lot of self-reflection and thinking on things like that but also maybe if we were more inclined to look inward and kind of realize either a we need to do some more self-work b we don't know everything or that not everything's okay i think that would make things a little bit easier but unfortunately i think everyone has to put on this facade of i know everything everything's great and you're the problem yeah i feel you i i'm into books and i really like reading about the brain and why we do things and hidden motives and why the brain reacts a certain way. And I've dealt with anxiety and things like that. And how I got through that was actually reading books and looking at it in a different way. And I've been to therapy as well. And I, it's something that I think is people can benefit from. And I think that a lot of people want to put on the tough guy facade. And like, I say this, like, look at me, like I train MMA three times a week. I'm covered in tattoos. Apparently I look mean, whatever it is, but <laughs> I'm saying like, it, you can do all these manly things. If you want to say that, you know, it's, we don't, you know, it's silly to say out loud, but it doesn't make you less manly to go do that. And, and I remember thinking the first time I was going to therapy, like, Oh, I read books about the human brain, like in like mine, I know all this stuff. And I, I stay on the forward. Uh, I think I'm ahead of the curve with all the podcasts I watch and all this stuff. And what am I going to talk to this person who's had some outdated, uh, they they went to some cool a school and learned some outdated program on how the brain works from 30 years ago or whatever. So I was like skeptical about it a hundred percent. And then the first time I went, I was like, all right, I'll go. Here we go. And uh, um, I just remember like, they said like five words and then I just talked for an hour and I was Same. like, Oh damn, I needed this more than I thought I did. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. Like, you know, something that, so like kind of twofold and this, and this is actually something that's really stuck with me the last couple of days. Um, so I know dudes canceled, but whatever the fuck, like uh, Corey from Norma Jean um, randomly will text me out of the blue and just kind of be like, Hey man, how are you doing? So on and so yeah. forth. So he hits me up the other day as I'm kind of doing my, my homework for therapy, like just answering a couple of questions. And I was like, Oh, like, how are you doing? I was like, Oh, interesting timing. I'm literally working on my therapy homework. And then, so we were kind of talking about that 
and just, you know, like I said, perspectives on things and, and kind of what I've been learning uh, in my processes of going through therapy, you know, he kind of opened up about some of the stuff he was going through and he said uh, he was writing, you know, when he writes lyrics as he's been doing recently for something, you know, he made the comment about how I'll write my lyrics and then I'll go back through and grab like a thesaurus and, and kind of try to find the word that really is a motive of what I'm looking to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, so I came across this, this thing and I decided to use uh, the word commencement. And so I ended up looking up what commencement is because, you know, we, we think of commencement as like the speech you give at like the end of high school, the end of college. Like it's kind of like we as people tend to think of it as an ending. He goes, but the actual word uh, means the beginning of something. And then I've kind of thought about it. And then as we're both texting, you know, he goes, and then I wrote, and then he basically echoed the same thing. And he's like, so really when people are kind of doing these things at the end, it's almost like saying like, now this is the beginning of this next phase. And then I kind of like really was thinking about it. And I was like, man, like, again, perspective, like, you know, we think of commencement typically as an ending of something. It's actually the beginning of something. And then when you kind of look at the things we have commencements for, and you kind of think about it now in that different perspective, you're just like, wow, that's, it's kind of really profound. And, and, you know, like, what are some other ways that like, maybe those same things can be applied to, to our lives and so forth. And, you know, like, the other thing too, that kind of really was interesting and kind of has changed my perspective on, on life is, you know, my therapist was saying something when I was like, you know, I, I just sometimes feel like when people come to me, I'm like, why me? Like, why, why am I the one that comes to you? Like, I'm, I'm stoked that people feel they can come to me with these kind of heavy things, but sometimes it's also like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with it then? And so it's something this per- my therapist had said was, well, maybe you were the third or fourth person that this person reached out to. You don't know that, but because we're so rooted in our own world, we assume that it's happening to us. Why me? Why, why did they reach out to me? And it's like, well, there could have been a few other people and you were the last one on the the road to, you know, finding clarity or peace or whatever. And I was like, son of a bitch. And I was like, that's pretty profound too. Like it's, it's just kind of weird how like those kind of things happen. And like you said, you'll talk for like 45 minutes and then they just say that one thing and you're like, Oh, motherfuck me, man. Like (laughs) that's so, it's so obvious. (laughs) I was in um, Australia and I'm only on my phone because I'm looking for a quote for you, but um, I was in Australia and just kind of had like a end of a long touring year and kind of had like a breakdown. I was like, I missed home, whatever. And I found myself caring about just way too many things. Like every little detail, I would go up to my tour manager and be like, why is that there? Why is it not there? Why, like, why does this look like this and this? And and I was just like, I'm just stressing myself out about shit that just does not matter. So I was in all these airports this summer because it was all like traveling through other countries for Europe for my first solo tour and um, Australia for Boo. And I kept seeing this book, Subtle Art of uh, Not, not Giving a Fuck. fuck. And I kept seeing it. I was like, okay, you're just trying to pull people in with the F word. Cool. I get it. I get it. It did look tacky to me. I was like, fuck this, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then I was like, one day I'm like, it's right there, which by the way, I think a book is like the best thing you can gift yourself or someone else. It costs about $8, $10, which is as much as a drink. And I, Hey, I love a drink too, but one less, there you go. <laughs> there you go. One less drink. You got yourself a book and a bottle of wine or whatever. So um, anyways, I caved and I bought this book and, it was incredible. And I think he was trying to catch people's attention with the F word, just like that Ty Lopez dude was catching everyone's attention for a 67 steps with being cool cars and women, whatever. We catch people's attention however we need to. But um, I, it was a, it was the first thing of like, I need to just reevaluate what really matters and what I really care about. And the thing that was profound in that book to me was, um, 
and again, it's not a depressing thing to say, but life is just suffering. Truly, it is. Like it, you, the second you're born, you're dying. Like it, it is what it is, and it doesn't have to be depressing. So instead of defining ourselves as what we care about or what this, I'll be happy when I have this. I'll be happy when I have this. It's like what is worth suffering for, and because you're gonna suffer no matter what. Find the things that are worth suffering for, and it'll suck a little bit less. And I thought that was pretty profound. And he posted today because he said something about. Um, I thought it was about me or whatever. And he posted like winning, winning arguments on the internet or things we should give fewer fucks about winning arguments <laughs> on the internet. Cause you're usually wrong. The latest big thing on the news. It's usually wrong. People's assumptions <laughs> about you. They're usually wrong. So yeah, was, I think um, I've, I've been there too. Like thinking you said you could have been the third or fourth person. So you, it's not that you're a selfish person, but like sometimes we look at things as if we are the center of, of the universe. And I think if anyone asked you, do you think you're the center of the universe? We already know the answer is no, you're not that person. But it's almost how humans act because we almost think that this life is our movie and we're kind of the star or whatever. Well, I mean, like even kind of talking a twofold kind of point to that is like, you know, I don't know if you played Last of Us. Sounds like you're more maybe of a PC gamer. I have not, no. Okay, so without really spoiling anything... Um, in Last of Us 2, which I just finished like probably about a month or so ago, um, it's essentially a really the the kind of overall plot of it is almost kind of you think you're the hero in your story, however, in somebody else's, you're the fucking villain. Yeah. And it's again, it's all about perspective. Mm -hmm. And unless you know what has led two people or you to get to these, this situation and the outcome that you have chosen based on your experiences, you don't fucking know what the other person did or has come to, to, to reach those conclusions. And so I think yeah. a lot of people may not take, take that away from playing the game. Maybe it's cause I'm like in my mid thirties. So like I'm playing the game going like, Oh, okay. That's definitely, you know, it's kind of almost like a butterfly effect. Like from the first yeah. game, like something insignificant that you probably didn't think anything about. Cause you're like, fuck it. That's what I got to do has just a giant fucking massive ripple effect that will later on become something way bigger than you'll ever have any knowledge of. And it's a thing too, where, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's, I feel like we have to kind of be the center of our own universe because that's uh -huh. sort of what the survivalist mentality is. Like I have to look out for me. And then yeah. maybe you have a little bit more of a pack between a wife, your, your family or whatever, your close friends. But I think it, and I have no, like I'm take this with a grain of salt cause I haven't looked any of this up, but I feel like it goes back to kind of your, you know, caveman style instincts where it's like, I have to forage and I have to provide for myself because after that, like no one fucking will. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's your survival instincts kicking in. I think what you just said has been a huge, huge like topic that becomes a friend of mine over the last few years. So I had terrible, terrible anxiety for like three years crippling and, being an entertainer, I guess you. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it's hell. It's really hell on earth. And um, and it would just, it would take over my body. Like, you know, those ego risers on stage where people will stand on and we get a few feet higher for a solo, whatever. Like, I couldn't stand on them because it would like, it would go like this underneath me. But it wasn't moving at all. Like, it mm. was in my head. Like, I'm telling you, like, mentally, physically, I was in a bad shape. And um, anyways, and in the, in the, I'll arrive at the point here because you said evolutionary. So, when people get anxiety, when they start struggling with it, which seems to be more and more as time goes on, and that's why I think it might be, if I, if anyone could hear this and it helps them, sweet, because this is what helped me. Um, it was a book. I think it might have been called Dare or something. But anyways, when you have anxiety, you think like, oh my gosh, my brain is turned against me. Like, 
uh, it's it's not on my team anymore. It's not on my side. It's this. It's just like it, this is not how it should be. And so I went and I fought like one day, like what what can I do to get rid of anxiety? And I went and took pills and I went down that road. I got addicted to Xanax for years. Um, terrible shit. And um, and that was ended up being the worst time of my life was when I was on Xanax, addicted to Xanax, trying to get off. And again, these are prescribed pills. I never took more than the dose, maybe one time for a flight kind of thing. But my point is that I wasn't abusing it. Mm. Um, By what, industry standards. Yeah. So what... Um, what I came to realize is that I don't think it's ever going to go away. That's where I sit now. I don't think it's going to go away. I learned to live with it. And here's how. And this is the only advice I can give anyone related to the evolutionary thing. So when you think your brain is against you and it's not on your team because you have uh, anxiety, um, the way I learned to get over it is think about it this way. It's actually just your overreactive fight or flight response that's kept you us alive and us is thriving through evolutionary terms like when you think of it as like, hey, this is actually my brain freaking out a little bit. But in reality, this is just the fight or flight response. And this is what kept us as, you know, the most forward thinking and progressing uh, species on the planet, like uh, the top of the food chain. It is that fight or flight response. So when you can think like, hey, it's a little overreactive and my brain should not be going this far into depth about this little thought. And it's just racing and racing. Like when you can be like, you know what it is on my team, it's trying to do me good. It's just going a little engines cranking a little hard right now. That's what it is. And then I looked at it a second way and it was this, like when I'm songwriting, I'm able because of my brain going crazy and taking all these different routes and all these different directions, I'm able to almost do that with directions a song could go. And so I almost thought that like all those times I was taking those pills and just turning my brain off and just trying to chill it out. Like that might've made me feel better temporarily, but A, it wasn't who I am. And B, um, I think it slowed my brain down in songwriting. Like, I'll take an overreactive brain when I'm writing a song over a numbed brain when I'm writing a song. So if I could just look at it like, hey, this is my body's fight or flight response that's just overreacting a little bit, and B, look, it does wonders for my songwriting, then I re realized, hey, it's not the end of the world to live like this. And that, um, I, and so currently, I don't think it'll ever not be here. If it does <laughs> go away completely, cool. But I've just programmed myself to say, hey, this might be, I might have anxieties for the rest of my life, and it's okay. So out of curiosity, has that been something you've always had or was it just kind of onset in the last couple of years? It was um, probably at the peak of our touring schedule. We were, we were on uh, Mayhem with like Rob Zombie and Children of Bodom and Five Finger Death Punch, huge tour. And it was like our biggest meet and greets every day and probably our biggest partying every day, too. So it was just all on 100 percent, like. So many people, so many drinks, drugs, everything, full force, like women, whatever. And I don't say that to sound cool, but it's just what it was. And I ended up meeting my wife on that tour. And that's that's why I can say that. Um, but then I came home and I uh, booked a motorcycle trip. Hmm. And uh, I got an hour down the highway. And all of a sudden, it felt like my back tire was like doing this, which obviously, uh, you know, if you could take riding a bicycle, for example, it's terrible, that feeling, obviously. So <laughs> but the thing was, I mentioned with my ego riser moving, it wasn't moving. My back tire wasn't moving either. Um, so then I started feeling like, OK, I'm going down the highway. So, you know, when you're on a treadmill. Think about this. You're, you're riding. You're on a treadmill, right? So you're you have forward motion. But like instead of what it looked like to me was instead of me moving forward, it looked like it felt like I was on a treadmill and everything was passing at you. Yeah. The problem with that is, is if you ever come to a dead stop on a bicycle, what happens? Like you 
you tip because you have no forward momentum. So even though the that I was moving forward down the highway, it felt to me like it was coming at me, which means that I wasn't actually moving, which meant to me I had no momentum. And and so I started freaking out. And so I didn't know. I thought it was uh, vertigo for years. I thought it was all these different kinds of things. Um, Couldn't stand on the ego risers like I used to have. um, So that was when it came. So that was the question, I think, is when it started. But yeah, I used to have to have like towels in front of my amps on stage because Mm. I would walk around on stage and I'd be like, oh, I'm slipping on water. And I would have to just rub my feet on these towels to dry them off to make sure that there was no water under my shoes that I was going to fall. So I was just a victim in my mind about this stuff. Um, How does your, how is your, how are your bandmates and you like your touring crew kind of dealing with this? Cause I feel like it's, it sounds like it's kind of a somewhat slow progression for you personally in real time. But maybe to them, it's kind of like one of those things where like, dude, are you okay? Or is like anyone kind of. They probably thought I was crazy, you know, but they, they've been through it all with me. You know, they, they also were with me when I got addicted to Xanax and we were in Europe and I was losing my mind. And I was like, you know what? I'm not taking Xanax anymore. I can't do this. Um, And so there was time, there's one couple shows, for example, where like I was just bawling my eyes out backstage. I would walk on stage, bawling, play the show. And when you're in the show, like I was in the show, similar to if you're sick and you go on stage, you don't feel that sick. You're still sick, but it's like right. a little the, the adrenaline. Um, and then I would walk off stage and be bawling again, just because mm-hmm. like, just thought life was absolute hell coming off, coming off of, okay. So I wasn't with this doctor anymore. He ended up being kind of like a pill pusher situation from a small town that my dad lived in. Okay. So I wasn't able to wean off the Xanax when I wanted to, which you have to, because that stuff can be like heroin, mm. which I've never done. I'm, I'm just saying like what I've heard and been told um, it's compared to that. So like, you can't just get off of it. Your body can go into shock and all these things. And so, but I, but this doctor ended up dipping long mm. story short. He had to like, uh, he dumped patient forms into a dumpster and got caught. So he fleed. So I, I had no way to get um, pills to come off of. So I had to quit cold Turkey off of a very high dose that most people would say, Although it was doctor prescribed, most people would say that's not responsibly prescribed. Um, so I'm coming off of these pills. And so anyways, my band has been through me with that, too. And I think what's cool about Born of Osiris is we grew up in Chicago, um, two blocks from each other's houses. Like you could walk to all of our houses. So we formed personal bonds with each other and, and started our relationship with each other as friends first, for the most part. Um uh, not everyone, but, you know, the bulk of the core of the band um, before we formed a musical relationship. So I think that's one thing that's special about our band. And um, is it so when it was fast forward later in life, when we're going through whatever it may be, you know, it's been me with anxiety pills. And now I'm off pills for a couple years now. And it's, I'm, you know, in a way thriving. Um, and then the next guy has his issue, whether it's a relationship or whatever. I think this, that's the cool thing. So, yeah, they've seen the best and worst of me but uh we're such a brotherhood kind of band that you know it's all been all good (laughs) it's really wild sometimes you know um it's funny because initially i had kind of an idea of where i wanted to take this conversation but uh i don't know if you listen to the peer pleasure podcast at all Uh uh-uh Okay, so the guy that does that, Dewey, uh, used to be in this band, Anatomy of a Ghost, and then was in Portugal, the man for like in the beginning of that band. Um, But he basically just has random conversations, essentially. Mm -hmm. And he and I kind of hit it off in the last couple of weeks. Uh, We did an episode that'll be coming out this week uh, as of when we're recording. 
And I've really enjoyed how he just has a conversation, just lets it happen. And so it's something that I enjoy, but sometimes I go through these phases where I'm like, well, I'm supposed to interview someone and kind of like push a product. (laughs) Um, And it's not always what I want to do. And I always find my way through it um, where I'm like, okay, here's like a random question that may be off the beaten path, but still is talking about the thing you're here to promote. Um, Just because I feel like that's what is expected of me. (laughs) And so it's one of those, like, as we've been having this conversation, like I, I actually am enjoying this way more than, you know, asking you like, all right. So on the infinite mind, like blah, 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 like whatever question I came up with. But the interesting thing kind of actually in, in all of this is, you know, in listening back to your, your, the infinite mind podcast, you know, at that point, the album wasn't done. You were still in the process of writing it. Mm-hmm. How, you know, now that you're kind of telling this story about like, you know, your anxiety and all these kind of things. And, you know, I kind of wondered where the infinite mind came from um, as a title. You found it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So now I'm kind of wondering how much of this record were you writing sort of as a direct correlation to musically get out these feelings you were having? So yeah, the infinite mind in like a, it starts off sounding cocky, but when you know the story, it isn't um, infinite mind. I just say it's a self title. The infinite mind is mine. And um, it's not saying that I have the infinite mind, <laughs> but my point is the conversation or the, the point I made 10 minutes ago. It's that when I have this overactive brain that I used as like, uh, that I thought was just my worst enemy it was crippling me. Like I couldn't deal with anything at all. Like everything that I thought I was this big, tough dude and everything just broke me down. When I realized that I could use that overactive brain for positive thinking, positive thoughts, songwriting, all those things. I just made me realize I can take, I can go infinite amount of ways, but they can be, I can, I can say that this is, it's positive. Like you said earlier, we don't control what happens to us, but we do control how we respond and how we analyze the situation and um, cognitive behavior therapy. (laughs) Exactly. And so infinite mind is basically talking about what I went through in my head to arrive where I am now. Um, It sounds cool and epic, but um, it, you know, it was uh, just how I started to realize that, an overreactive brain, which was crippling me the three years before that album came out or the four years before that album came out, um, was just the way that you can turn all those infinite thoughts that are sometimes feel like impending doom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they don't they don't have to be. And, and you can realize that they're your friend and you can put them towards songwriting and you can put them towards a million different things. So yeah, the you're, you're, you're the first person ever to come to that conclusion. And it's correct that, uh, you know, it's about all the things I went through mentally. Well, I think that's kind of the, the the interesting thing about this medium at times is, you know, something I struggle with is I want to, so something that I, some people are just inherently good at this and this, you know, as you were saying, like, I'm not trying to brag, but like something that I, for whatever fucking reason, have an innate skill at is connecting with someone right away that I've never met. Mm-hmm. And sometimes having a conversation where, you or both of us will divulge things that typically within 30 minutes of knowing someone, you're not going to be like, so I've been going to therapy for this fucking thing. Or, Hey, I was addicted to, you know, Oxycontin three years ago, like yeah. you're, or Xanax, like you're, you're typically, those aren't things you discuss with someone so instantly and is a thing where to me, I think those are kind of when you can have that connection with somebody, when you're having a conversation that, as I sort of arrived to it with like, my question was where did infinite, infinite mind come from as a, as an album title. And, you know, even kind of looking at the song titles themselves, 
but I didn't, we got there, but I got there in the most natural of ways of just talking and, it, you know, kind of opening up myself and, and you in turn opening up and then kind of building a relationship with each other very quickly to where I still got there. And now people who potentially are going to listen to this are going to be like, oh my God, holy shit. I, wow. Okay. Like this record has been out for over a year. I love these songs. I had no idea that's what it was inspired by. And maybe now they're going to go back through, listen to that record and get something completely different from it that maybe they wouldn't have if I just would have been like, so infinite mind, where did it come from? And you're like, oh, well, you know, I was home and I was writing these songs and like, you know, that's also a correct answer, but there's more to it than that. Wouldn't have gotten that answer because nobody else has you. Right. Um, you know, on that note, like I'll say I wrote a song about this today and my wife will be like, for boo or for this and i'll be like for my solo stuff which there's no words or if i can say to somebody else um for example i have a song on my upcoming record that i wrote uh about my wife right um life or wife i'm sorry wife my okay. my wife um cheesy whatever but um basically i wrote a song and they're like how do you write a song about somebody with no no words and so that to me is just, it's simple to me, but like I always thought my guitar playing is I'm not the absolute fastest on the planet or the absolute whatever at this on the planet, but my, mine is emotion and I try to sing with my guitar. So um, I wrote this song about my wife that's coming on the next record and I asked her one day, I was like, what is your favorite um, sound like in the world? Like what's the most beautiful sound you can think of? And she said wind chimes uh, in the morning on someone's house. So I went and I sampled wind chimes and you can change the pitch of things. And the song starts off with what you think is a keyboard. I mean, it is technically because I ended up playing on a keyboard by sampling the sound of wind chimes and stuff like that. And so there's so many ways you can write a song about someone and, and it doesn't have to have lyrics. And the, the reason I bring that up is because you said people can go listen to infinite mind with a different view now. And you can realize that those are all songs about something, even though you don't have lyrics. Well, I mean, that's like, so two things to that. I, a question I was going to actually ask you. So I've talked to a lot of, you know, like Mike D from Killswitch and Porter from Atreyu and, and a handful of other people. Uh, I think Mark even from Chimera, you know, they, they are into graphic design and, and uh, you know, photography. And I know in talking to all of them over the course of doing this podcast, something that they have is just kind of a catalog of uh things they photograph like oh here's like a weird texture that i found when i was on tour here or here's this thing so when you're creating an image you can be like oh man when i was over in ireland or whatever on this tour i took a sample or i took a photo of like this scratch glass and it's really distressed and looks a certain way i'm going to use that as an overlay for this thing because it creates the vibe i'm looking for mm -hmm. and i was going to ask you know in listening to infinite mind there's there's some sounds and so forth that are on the record and it kind of did make me wonder do you do the same thing or have the same thing where maybe you know you were saying when you're playing wow that like you'll hear footsteps or whatever like do you catalog certain sounds and noises and kind of put them in so you can use them somewhere else for either an inspiration or even just something maybe you're burying to be an ancillary you know musical uh component yes yeah, so i don't um catalog them in advance but that's a great idea and now i think i should um <laughs> into the you know my wife telling me that she just thinks that the wind chimes on someone's front doorstep is the most beautiful thing and then i went and created it in born of osiris days we've said man there was this thing this gunshot i just i want that to be a snare drum and then we went and took like i think a snare drum from fortnite which i never played but someone in our crew at that time was playing um what else oh so there's kind of a signature thing for me that I've always done, I call it signature because it's on my computer and I constantly use it, but it's just like a exhale. That's what it is. 
And so what I'll put it on and I have it recorded and I can, it doesn't need to be pitched to anything. Cause again, it's just kind of a breath, but um, what I'll do is uh, it's in literally 10 years of one of Osiris songs and infinite mind and all things that I've made going forward. It's just, it's in my session already when I open it, but um, yeah, it's, it's basically just that. And so when you have crashes, like to start a part, I'll put that there. If I feel like I've resolved something. So like, hmm you know have the bridge of a song and it's like again all my songs are emotions that's all i care about is the emotion and even if it's a roller coaster of emotions whatever so let's say we have a happy song in the bridge now i feel there's this tension and maybe it's there's this you can tell by the chord progression that this is a more tension based part so coming out of that part into the final chorus i'll, I'll have that sample go and it's literally symbolic of you got through this tension release yeah. breath. Um, so I do all kinds of that stuff, um, but I haven't cataloged them in advance, which I probably should. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Like, uh, you know, cause the one constant that I noticed in infinite mind was like clock ticking. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was interesting to me from just, you know, where I took it was it's like, you know, it's interesting is some people might be like, Oh, it's a clock, but then it's also like, all right, well, could be a bomb. Could, I mean, those, those have those things too, or, you know, like, and then it's like, okay, clocks make that noise, but so do alarms before they go off, which, you know, would maybe signify an awakening of some sort, or, you know, just the metaphors you come up with for clocks, uh, the passing of time, which again, go back to the infinite mind. Like, is this kind of like an audio reference to kind of like, it's just a construct and it's, it's not necessarily like confined to this one thing you know like, like i said i looked at it in so many different ways and i was just like it's kind of the beauty of instrumental music is it, it's not it's not painted out for you like with lyrics where you're like oh this is in reason roughly what this means i mean mm-hmm. you know talking with uh andrew from the ghost inside about his solo record uh one decade which at the time because now he's put out some more stuff since then but um was really kind of about the accident mm-hmm. um and, you know, like there was like a thing where I was saying, like, you know, like this song title made me think of this and, and there's no there's no lyrics, no nothing. Um, but then I was like, you know, you have this one called ICU and then like the, the bridge kind of is like, you know, the fucking machines pumping and going and, you know, the heart monitor and all that kind of stuff. And then shit like flat lines and it goes crazy. And I was like, dude, like I've been in hospitals like so that took me right back to being in a hospital and smelling those smells that like if you spent time in hospitals, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he goes. Yeah, I never really thought about that. But as soon as you said that, I I immediately went back to that hospital and I could smell the things that I was smelling and, you know, all that kind of shit. So I think that's kind of the interesting thing about instrumental music. It may not be something that works for everybody, but I think if you're really willing to go into it and kind of let it speak to you, um, I think it's almost kind of like therapy where it will give you a different perspective based on how you're going into it. And I think that's kind of the beauty of, of these kind of albums is... I might listen to it today and I'll get one, one completely new thing. The next time I listen to it, totally something different. And it doesn't negate any of my other experiences with it. But I think that's kind of the the beauty of it. When, as you say, as the person creating it, you're just trying to create feeling Mm -hmm. and a vibe. I think, yeah, like the albums for me, like songwriting, like that's like you, you get to take a view of my, therapy session like the song is my therapy right and i know it's a cheesy thing people say like music is therapy but it is and um so those are kind of the view into it and so yeah with the clocks like 
I've kind of obsessed about time and how it's spent and how it's wasted and how it's used and all these different ways to look at it. And there's like, I think there's like 27 of them tattooed on me. There's like in different forms, like there's a stopwatch on my hand, but there's a candle on my throat. So, but they all represent time and how we use it and waste it. And um, that's kind of the theme there. And, and it just, and how it can feel different. Like when I, when I was going through those anxious times, like how much slower is that clock ticking? It just feels slow. And when you're on top of the world and something's great, it's just fast. And it just, so the whole thing is just fascinating me down to like, like I, I'm a watch collector too. And <laughs> I just like, um, within reason, obviously I'm not like loaded rich, <laughs> but, um, I just, just top to bottom. I'm fascinated with them. And even like, I like looking at the, uh, insides and like the movements and stuff and so as something that became symbolic to me i don't it just turned into like a weird obsession and i watched youtube videos for hours on and i don't even know what came first really like uh i've always liked the mechanical side of it being young to like the inside of a guitar or an amplifier and then just to where i went in my head mentally for a while and thinking of how time feels slow when i'm sad and fast when i'm happy and if i could just find that way to make it feel slow when i'm happy and just slow that moment down um it would be amazing and yeah so there's clocks clicking on album two as well <laughs> they're, they're, uh, yeah i don't know i think it's really cool that you mentioned that it doesn't have to be a clock because it's been a theme for me but i never really considered about how it could represent so many different thoughts and i think it's cool what you said about how we analyze instrumental music and uh i think some people and there's nothing wrong with this might put songs instrumental together and say this riff sounds cool after this one maybe we combine them at the end for a climax that's a cool song and it is a cool song but you will find people particularly me that when you hear that there are a story there is a story within them and there is uh and you can usually sometimes you can tell by the song title like why would it be called that if it didn't mean something and tell some sort of story. You can kind of tell that in my songs sometimes, but I just want to say this. I appreciate you noticing that because at the end of the day, it's my therapy session. You're listening to it. I'm, and someone, someone commented this on my YouTube literally days ago. They said, I can tell you do this for yourself, but I just want you to know I appreciate it. And I don't know how they got that vibe. And I also hate when musicians say, sorry if I'm going on a tangent here. I'm trying to, I'll That's try the whole to, point of a podcast, man. But, but I, I hate when you just say, like, I can give a shit less what people think. I do this for me. I don't think that's a good sound. Now, I do these songs because it's my favorite thing to do and it's healthy for me. And I and I enjoy performing them for you. But I do care that you guys like them. It does hurt <laughs> my feelings. Like, I, as much as we'll say, oh, I don't care what people think. If someone says, like, I hate what you did there, like, I'll think about it. And you know it. So, yeah, it is for me. It is my therapy session that you can all listen to. But I do want to connect with people through it you know i want to be on stage in the room and have people listen to it and enjoy it i want to see a smile on someone's face in the crowd um so yeah it is my own journey they all tell stories that you know not no one's really came up to me and said that they've noticed like you have which is fascinating to me um but yeah i don't know if i told the whole point but yeah it's it's like i do do it for myself and it is needed for me i can tell by my attitude if i haven't been able to Maybe if I've wrote too many songs for this show I'm working on or this and I haven't got to do me, I can tell that like my wife comes home. She's like, you're you're thinking about something like, well, yeah, I haven't had time to get this idea out. And I, but I need to. But I don't have time because my deadline, whatever. Um, it is just a really healthy part of my life is, is getting those songs out because, I, you know, 
I think a lot of musicians struggle with drugs. I've never done the crazy, crazy, crazy shit, but I've had my struggles with drugs and stuff. Songwriting to me is the only like place that, that I get, you could say sex to whatever, but like you get that high, you just feel, oh my God, I'm on top of the world right now, whatever. Songwriting to me is like that. When I finish a song in this room, I'll get up and I'll be pacing around back and forth. <laughs> As I listen to it out the speakers, I'm just walking back and forth and I my skin's crawling. My skin's crawling right now talking to you about the feeling <laughs> finishing a song. It's the best feeling on planet Earth um, when you finish something that you're proud of in the studio. And so better than any drug. And so, yeah, that's kind of the journey for me with uh, songwriting. So I have... Oh, Lucia. Yeah, part of... I need it. So I have kind of a weird question just because like... So as we were kind of talking about time and clocks and all that kind of stuff, and, and maybe this is honestly why I, I focus so heavily on the, the clock ticking noises and found them uh, throughout the Infinite Mind uh, record. So I would say most of my life, I don't, I'm not really concerned with time. Um, I don't have a thing where I'm like, oh, I got to be here at this time or regimented or anything like that. But I know every time I do shrooms, which is very minimal, like at this point, I think it, it probably at the, at the most was like maybe like a once in a year kind of a thing. And at yep. this point, I think it's probably been five, six, seven years at this point since I've done them last. Uh -huh. But I know that in the, the throes of my trip and I'm, I'm never one of those people like at any point, whether it be drunk, whether doing shrooms, any of that kind of stuff, I'm always aware of what's happening. And even like, you know, like one time when taking uh, like trying acid for the first time a while, like very recently which scared the shit out of me, but like I did a, a smaller yeah. dose, but like, I I'm so aware of like everything that even like when I have a fucked up thought, I'm like, Oh dude, you're totally tripping right now. Like I'm very aware. And I can even recall those moments. But the thing was, is I be at least on shrooms, I become very aware of time. Um, and I know I've told this story at least once on the podcast before, but so I did them once and my friends brought their dogs, they had tiny little dogs and don't walk very far when you're going on a long walk. Long and short of it, we uh, we stopped so they could let their dogs rest. And then there was an old couple that um, that had walked past us at that point, but they were ahead of us for a moment. Then there was a lady that was behind us and then ran like running, and then she ran past the old couple and and beyond us. And I just kind of started laughing, and I remember my friends being like. He laughing about you like tripping balls and i'm like i mean yeah kind of like but like here's my thought so th that we're like we're in our present currently that old couple that just walked by us they were in they were in our they're now in our past like they're going where we already were the jogger went through our past caught up to our present and is now in our future and I was like, it's kind of fucked up when you think about time like that, that there are three different times and they all exist concurrently, yeah. but they all have their individual aspects of it, depending on how you mentally look at it. Like future, don't know. I mean, I can see it, but I have no idea what's going to happen once I get there. I'm currently in my present. I should probably be more focused on being here. And then there's the past, which a lot of us will look back to see whatever. But then at times things will come and, and traverse through all three of those. And it's just kind of one of those things like it, it was so vivid and has always stuck with me since, but it's kind of weird because it's like, I don't give a fuck about time any other time in my life. So it's <laughs> weird that like when I'm in the middle of tripping, like I'm become so acutely aware of it in, in such a weird 
like time in flux or whatever the fuck at that point that it's just kind of one of those that it makes me wonder do you even think like you, you kind of did talk about how you think about time like with watches and, and you know, the, literally the mechanics of the pieces and so forth but do you think about time a lot beyond just even that yeah i think it's, i do and like just in this past year i've been I don't know. It's been going through this book right now. And it's kind of talking about, it's like, you heard the four agreements. I no. posted on Instagram. A lot of people said it was amazing, but it basically is just saying that like, we're almost kind of the, the star in our own movie. And our timeline is what we think is time. And some that person's timeline is their timeline, but like, and they run side by side and it's just Donnie Darko. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a show called fringe. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that. They were able to like hop into the next timeline change things about it. It's it's been in a million movies or Quantum whatever. But <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that anything is, is like too unbelievable about that stuff. Like uh, you know, there's a lot of YouTube videos. You can go down a rabbit hole with this stuff about how timelines interact with each other and what's real and what's not. And <laughs> I go down that for fun. Sometimes not even <laughs> not at a deep level. Yeah, it's not even deep always. It's just fun. But. Um, so, something about this book that I wanted to say about. Oh, this book says that we're all in a dream. It's mm. just our dream. And we have agreements within our dream. And basically, this is about how you can live more free. Because I've been feeling like more anxious this year, not being able to do what I love and travel. And um, been feeling like things get under my skin a little bit that shouldn't. Like when the dog takes too long to shit in the morning, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, go shit. Like, so then we can go back inside. <laughs> it's cold out. Yep. You know, like little things. I'm like, you, I can't be getting upset about this. This is silly. So I got this book and it's just saying like the agreements are what we think we need to worry about. So for example, like they says, I, I'm on chapter two. I'm going to butcher this, but, um, the, the first 23 pages blew my mind. It was just saying that we come into this world and these agreements are created. We are fed positive and negative um, feedback by our parents. So you do this, you get good boy, like like a dog in a way. Like Absolutely, you, and effects, you get yeah. reward of love and affection. And if you do this bad, then, then it's this. But these agreements have been created by society, even outdated society, when people didn't even think and have near the intelligence that we have nowadays as we evolve as people and we get smarter and we learn things and we're we're so advanced but these agreements we came up with so long ago that some of them don't even make sense anymore right so it's like basically saying like what are the agreements that are important to you what's worth suffering for as we talked earlier and what's not worth suffering for because you're gonna suffer so maybe pick the shit that's at least a little less hard to suffer for because you care about it um it's just i'm trying to like let go of things because i get caught in the middle of I care so much about music, right? My music. And when it's that I'll be like, yo, what's up with this? I need to get this song out. We need to put this video out. We need to do this, 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 and this. So I get, I'm stuck in between wondering when are you caring just the right enough to be <laughs> like, let's push this shit forward. And then when are you caring too much that just, it's just weighing on you and stressing in your mind. I don't have the answer for that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's made me think all about that. And that just, those are things that come from thinking about time and why does it feel slow today? And why does it feel fast today? So the time thing is just kind of the center place that I kind of branched off from in a million different ways. And I just branched off of you in this direction with it, starting with time. 
And I went into why am I bothered by X, Y, and Z. So it's kind of this center place that I kind of always end up going back to. And it, and then from my new thoughts, I travel from there, if that makes any sense. <laughs> no, it does. It, it's, I mean, even kind of going back to my therapy, like something that they were for sort of the, the cognitive behavior therapy stuff, you know, they, they use the analogy of like, here's a cog. What is the center cog on and almost very much like a watch has the center cog and then all the pieces that move it. Um, But you know, like, it's like, what is this central point that you're, you're focused on that causes these ancillary things that you deem to be problems or whatever that you're working through that then spin the main thing. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because as I looked at it, I was like, well, I don't have enough to create, to answer all of these cogs, but at least identifying it as such has kind of made me be like, yeah, I guess like your mind sort of is that way. And a lot of problems go that way where it's like, it's not like the one singular thing it can move, but if there's nothing else to feed it or add to it, to allow it to move in a bigger sense, then it won't be as big of a problem. And that was kind of an interesting, again, a shifting of perspective of just like, oh, it kind of needs these other things to manifest into something bigger. And it's it's kind of identifying those. But I also think in seeing that represented, it also has kind of made me think of a different analogy, which is almost like, I feel like that's a lot of life things. Like if you want to like, if you want to be propelled by something, sometimes like you may be the focal point, but you need like for Born of Osiris or whatever, like maybe you need that spark of something else. So like, or actually we use the example of the what song for your wife. So here's, I want to do something and I want to write a song for my wife. That's the, the initial cog mm-hmm. wind chimes are like, I'm going to ask this question. What is the thing you love? The sound you love most wind chimes. Okay. Now that's kind of another gear we can add. Then yeah. it's this, then it's this, then it's this. And then that creates all the cogs to work collectively together yeah. to create a whole and, and move toward a, a singular purpose or whatever. And so when I kind of have seen that analogy more, like now I've been trying to apply that to a lot of different things because I think it at least allows me to understand that nothing is as singular as it may seem. And again, it's, it's just shifting perspectives. Um, I, I've been for like three years now tempted to just put out a record in what I think is the biggest word, period. And it is perspective. I want it because seriously, it's fucking everything. And that sounds like just saying red is the color red, but is just everything. It's fucking everything. And I want to just, I've always wanted to call a record that, but it's cheesy. And I'm sure there's 50,000 songs called Perspective. So I haven't done it, but it just is, it's almost as simple as like to treat people how you want to be treated. Like you hear it, but do you actually apply that every day? It's like when, when I say that out loud, it's silly because your parents told you that when you're six years old. And to this day, in the middle of a heated election, in the middle of all the shit we're going through and judging people because they think differently than we think. And, oh, that means you're a bad person because you don't think how I think. How could you not think how I think? It's fucked up that you don't think how I think. Like, when you think about, like, okay, that's fine. They think that way. Now treat them how you would want them to treat you, like, basic shit. But it's we don't apply it. We just say it. And when it comes to perspective, me too. I understand that my perspective on a bad situation can make a bad thing a potentially good thing or a potentially the thing that, thrust me into new forward momentum. But again, I'm guilty too. It's not always easy to say like, oh, if I just have good perspective on everything, then life's good. It, it would be good, but it's not that easy to do. Um, I just think that we've said it a few times, perspective, man, it is fucking everything. And it, you can't put enough emphasis on it. As you were just saying, I wanted to call an album perspective, but it's probably been done to death or whatever. My mind, because I love a good pun and I love kind of breaking words down, my mind kind of broke the word down to where you would write perspective and that's, that's the word it makes, but it's per 
as its own word and like a hyphen and then spec, but like, instead of like, you know, you could do S P E C and then mm-hmm. like I've, so it's really kind of breaking it down like a personal my, and I'm a spec perspective and you're kind of breaking it down in a completely different way. And I was like, that's kind of horseshit. Like, and I know that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I have to explain this, which wouldn't make for a great album title. Cause then you'd be like, well, no, like, so it's, it's a three part and it really goes into the whole point of a perspective. But um, it was just kind of like, even in my own head, I was just like, huh, even if you kind of break down the word perspective in that sort of sense, it actually almost illustrates the point entirely. Like you are a spec there's your perspective of it or your, your personal side of it. And then I've like, I've done these things again, your own personal thing. So I like that the spec part too, because I feel like we, again, we act like we're the center of the universe. Again, that doesn't make we're selfish people, but it's just the way we think and the way we respond that we think it's just almost the way we perceive things. But um, when, when you realize you're just a spec or smaller, in the grand scheme of this earth or the universe, holy shit, you know, now I sound like I'm stoned as hell, but it's real. It's, you know, but that like, even, even that gives you perspective. Yeah. <laughs> We've done it now, brother. <laughs> I think we're on Rogan esque levels right now yeah, of like, yeah. not like, Oh, have you tried DMT? Have you talked about perspective for like two hours on DMT? <laughs> Funny though. Yeah. It's uh, that's kind of been what I'm going down lately. Just trying to, you know, keep my mind moving although nothing around my life is moving you know like it's funny if you told me when i was touring hey you're about to get a year off where you get to actually sit on that couch that you miss so much i'd be like fucking please bring me that couch right now i don't want to i i would turn down tours because i don't want to go there because the travel time takes too long how much are we gonna make blah blah blah. now i realize how much i took for granted um I'll fucking go there and lose money and I'll travel more than I'll play. Let's fucking go. Like I'm just, uh, it's just been a shell shock situation for me to be like, Oh fuck. What I thought I wanted again, we talked about that too. Um, you have it here and it's like, okay, well now I need to find out what here I can do because I'm a kind of guy like I'll come home and I'll write a few songs, but then it'll like slow down. I can always write, uh, because I show up every day. That's why I don't think writer's block is a bigger thing as people say it is. I think they have a more problem with laziness than they do writer's block. <laughs> I haven't really experienced it a ton because I show up every day. Now, I will have times where I don't do as much or I don't like what I do, but I still end up with more than I started at the beginning of that day, even if no one ever hears it, ever. Um, but it's just one of those things like when I sit at home for too long, I lose like the fizz and so now it's to the point where i'm in the studio nine to five but i'll do like 15 minutes of recording and then an hour of world of warcraft <laughs> <It's just> like <laughs> the levels are getting they're switching and i'm like okay now i need to be rejuvenated mentally and, and like spiritually in a way and that's by like going to a show if I, if I was home for six months and after three months i felt my writing kind of slowed down i'm looking looking a little less forward to it i go to one show and the lights and the sound and everything, boom, next day I'm good for three months. But now it's a year in, I've been sitting at home and other people are like, I'm thriving right now. I'm writing a million songs. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm writing songs, but they're, they're coming along a lot slower and they're not worse because of it, but they're just coming along slower. Kind of uh, one of the last questions that I have for you, because I don't, I don't know if you have anything after this or whatever. And I feel like I've taken a lot of your time. <laughs> um, no, sorry. Yeah. My wife was just texting me, but <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, obviously with infinite mind being born out of 
what you went through with, you know, everything you've kind of talked about, what, what isn't, what has been inspiring this new record? Cause I feel like, you know, as you've said, you're not, you do write to write and get that creative muscle flexed and, and, you know, keep it in motion and so forth. But, you know, as you also have said, like you write songs to evoke emotions that you're feeling and so forth. Have you identified maybe a a theme of sorts that has kind of been permeating through your music for this next yeah. record? So I can, I'll, I'll announce it here because it's the solo stuff. It's not as big as everything else that I do, but so the, the first one is infinite mind and I haven't told anyone yet, but that was with what I had in my mind, whatever. And the second one's called, it's called in the light of knowledge. And so basically it's just a continuance of infinite mind. So basically, um, everything that was going on in my mind and now with that knowledge that i gained from that experience in light of that new knowledge i present this and that's mm-hmm. album two so that i'm carrying on the theme and the album isn't out yet but that's the title in the light of knowledge um and it just takes off where the last one left off um as far as a journey in my life goes um and uh yeah you'll hear the clocks coming back like it's soon i think uh, the, all of them are kind of from for now they're kind of just themed in a way um you know, I can't say that in six years it'll be that way or 10 years, <laughs> but at the moment, um, yeah, this one is takes off right where that one left off. Art-wise, even they look similar. Um, um, you know, I was writing for this for the second record before the first one was even out. So while I think I'm streamlining this solo writing songwriting process and I think it's better, um, it, it's not going to be a complete departure from what you heard on the first one. It's not going to sound foreign. Um, but yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, it did. I mean, because sometimes with these, I feel like it's very easy to carry over a theme of some sort, whether it's it's obvious or it's something that you have to, as a listener or even you as the person making it, have to kind of work at allowing it to be present uh, in the music. So it was one of those where I feel like, you know, maybe the clocks are kind of the continuing theme or maybe mm-hmm. there's even something where you might have borrowed a melody riff from the first record. And if you weren't paying attention, you're not going to notice it on whatever, or, you know, the, the riff that ended or the melody that ended the the record is actually the first it's, it's not played the same, but it's like the same key as this yep. record starts with. And, and just little, little nuances like that, that I feel like are a little bit uh, easier to pull off on stuff like this. Yep. The clocks are that so far. Um, but you know, I didn't get a ton of like feedback. And again, this, like I said earlier, this is my thing and I do it for me, but I do want people to enjoy it. So, I started the second one and they're there and that's the tying theme is you'll hear the clocks and um but I, I remember making the second record I'm like I fucking love these things but if if someone does not enjoy this aspect of it I don't want to do it everywhere so I remember that <laughs> mentality I was like oh cuz I could put them in every song and love it but I know that's a that's a little much but uh yeah that's the tying theme sonically um right now I'm writing the uh a newborn record even though our new one's not out yet, the COVID. Back- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's been so like, an overla- overlapping thing. Is like, so we have the we have the the record we were done with about a year ago. Exactly. But exactly. then, and and I th- and you know, I think that's honestly something that you know, having a lot of friends in the in the industry and so forth. You know, like I know people are constantly writing, whether it's just an idea, whatever. Like, there's there's a lot of ideas floating around. But I mean, it, it's one of those where you know, by the time we're finally getting something and, you know, like, you know, doing a press cycle, like, you know, I sometimes will do, 
you know, you'll hear people are like, yeah, like I was really stoked on this record, but man, I'm already, we're already writing for the next record. And if you like yeah. this, this next thing is even better. And it's like, it's the hard part about this, this industry. Like there's an episode I haven't even put out yet because it just, it felt dated because of, I did an interview with this band person. They had just put out a new song. The new record was supposed to come out shortly thereafter. And this was in like December of 20. Yeah. Like December of 2019, maybe January of 2020. And the song they had just put out, they're like, yeah, we've had the record done for eight months as of when I did the record, when I did the, the interview and that record didn't come out for another seven months after that interview. Yep. And so I just have sat on it because I'm like, well, we're talking, we can't talk about something that doesn't exist. And the, the band person didn't even know when the record was coming out because, you know, labels and such will be like, well, we really think we're going to position you in a great, you know, quarter four is really when it's going to be great. It'll, you know, we can do this tour. We can announce all these things. You know, these other big things aren't like other records that will compete, like won't be out or whatever the fuck, like all these other factors that most people don't give a fuck about. But are the business side of the industry that goes into you guys releasing music. And so I've sat on this episode because I'm like, we couldn't talk about the record because it wasn't out. There's yeah. a lot of mystery about the record. And I just feel like it's so dated because it's like, well, I feel like I'd have to do another follow-up. And I just honestly don't even know that I want to do that because essentially the band put out the record and then all this shit happened. So like, it's almost like, so while we were waiting for all these things to happen, then it fucking did. And then the world fucking didn't do anything. So they couldn't tour. They essentially just released it, you know, and hope that people liked it. But yeah. I also feel like that's sort of like almost doing the same thing, but in reverse where it's like, you did all this shit. Let's talk about the record. And other than people maybe being like, yeah, it was a good record. You don't know. Like you didn't fucking tour it. You, you have no practical experience behind the record that you spent so long a making be waiting to put out and then see like just doing a bunch of other shit. So it's like, I know for you guys, that's got to be the most frustrating part of all of this are like the, like I'm a huge, every time I die fan, their records done the tech, like the vinyl I think is done. Cause the test presses were already sent out to the band. Cause they posted, you know, here's the record, but straight up Keith and all the dudes are like, we're not going to fucking put out a record if we can't tour behind it. Cause it, it deserves that. hundred percent. It's been a, a two, two sided coin for us. One is, it, at least at the beginning, I wouldn't even say it all anymore, but at the beginning of quarantine, <laughs> everyone was home, right? Every, nobody could really work at all. And so when records came out right then, I can see why everyone was giving their attention to this record because they had nothing else to do. But as people started trickling back to work slowly, slowly, my mindset, and I had some of my guys were like, no, let's put it out now because people will hear it while they got nothing going on and it'll be special time in their life. Okay, I get it. There's no wrong here. This is just opinions and perspective. Yeah. Um, at mine, mine was the same thing as every time I die, I think you said, um, I don't want to put out a record that we worked years on and then it's out and then a year from now we get to play a show again and the first show someone comes up and goes, when are you guys going to put out a new record? I'm like, oh God. So yeah, we're sitting on it. It feels like we fell off the face of the earth. I've been trying to do uh, content. So this since March, I did a, a video for each song off of my solo record that didn't have one previously. So I've been trying to like be out in the yeah. open a little bit, but um, it's a tough time and those decisions are tough to make. Do we put the record out? But I, I will say this, the plan for us is when we can get on the road again or, or just when we have a, an end goal or a site, a, you know, a place to start where we can kind of start touring 
we're going to put um, three music videos out, put the record out. And by then the thought is, okay, now we're back. The world's back. We're going to give them this record. But this time we're going to follow up a year later or less. So the thought is when things go back to normal, we're going to just hit on all cylinders and just be, you know, I, I respect what Bring Me Horizon has been doing because they'll drop a song and then a month later, a song and then another song. And I understand that it pisses some people off. Not me. I love that, by the way. But it pisses some people off because they're like, I've done singles in the middle of nothing. And the question is, when's the album? And it almost feels like it belittles your song. Um, and so for me, I want to like stay in the open, but it's hard because, you know, you can't you can't tour right now. So what we plan on doing is when things come back to normal, drop the record. A couple months later, my second solo record will come out and then we'll tour and then follow up pretty much immediately because I'm already... I'm looking at four songs on my third solo record on my desktop right now and like six songs for a, a Born of Osiris record that isn't even out when when the new one isn't even out. You know what I mean? So the, the hope is when we come back, we hit hard. So just because this is something that we have discussed quite a bit on this podcast, um, you know, and it's it's funny because like the, the Bring Me example is, is constantly what I use because they're one of the only bands in, in the genre uh, that has kind of done it, but it, you see it more in hip hop, you know, basically the, the single single, maybe an EP, uh, like Drake is, you know, as much as people probably hate me talking about Drake, I think you can't understate what Drake has done in the, the to the musical landscape because that mm. motherfucker will put out a single. Then like three weeks later, he's on, he's got another single, then another single, then another single. And then those will all be, you know, hits on their own, yeah. just very much like bring me. Whereas Bring Me will release an EP, Drake might drop a mixtape, but collectively it might be a year and a half later, then you get this like double LP basically of yeah. half of it you've already heard, the other half is whatever the fuck. And it's one of those where I don't know where the industry is going because to me, I think Bring Me, at least in the, the metal community, even though some people would argue they're not metal, whatever, I don't care. That's a completely different topic. But the thing is, is you can't negate what they're doing. And the fact that they are, like you said, creating content because they're creating music videos for these things. They're making big, you know, uh, merch lines for this song or whatever. They're treating it almost and quote orange too. They're treating these things. It's almost like they're not devaluing the single. They're adding more value to it. They're making it a bigger fucking deal. Almost like it used to be back in the day where yeah. a single was what drove everything. Like, you know, in this day and age now where we are basically getting half a record before a record's even out, like here's your promo single, then your lead off single, then your next single, and then yeah. a lyric. And it, it, it might go, here's your lyric video, a real video, a performance video, a lyric video or something like that. Like th that's the rollout. And yeah, it keeps people engaged throughout the two, three month promotional rollout of a new record. But I also remember the days like when a record, you get one fucking song, a video, and that either hyped you enough to be like, yo, fucking sign me up for that. Or mm -hmm. eh, I guess I'll wait until the next thing or I wait to hear how people react to it that I, I just like I said, part of it is my age because like I'm in my mid 30s. So it's like I remember a lot of these things and I've seen the change in the, in the musical landscape as far as how the, the business side of things work. Yeah. And I feel like no one's fucking got it figured out, but I feel like you look at bring me and I at least be like, they at least have figured it out in a sense that works for them because Ollie has straight up been like, you may not like this song. You may not like the EP it comes out on, but you know what? Fuck it. Who cares? We got more music coming out and you might like that. There's a That's okay. Yeah, and I, I feel like I kind of wish more people 
and I, I don't I don't think they're on a label anymore. They maybe I don't know. I, I don't know the structure of how that works either with them. But it's one of those to me where I kind of wish more bands would be kind of brutally honest about like that, where it's like, we're making this for us. And if you happen to yeah. like it, fucking cool. However, we know this may not be for you. And that is completely okay. There are the old records. There's some new shit we're working on. Come back when you feel like we did something that is worthy of your attention. <laughs> yeah. And I know that they have earned that by doing what they've done. And I know not every band has that relationship with their fans and maybe with their label or from a financial standpoint, I know there's a lot of factors that factor yep. into that, but it is one of those where it does make me wonder with bands like in your situation with born of Osiris. And even I would say the solo stuff where it's like, at what point do you just kind of go, what is the good of me sitting on this shit? Because again, we're in a pandemic and mm. like we've been saying perspective, this whole thing has taught us so much that it's like, is it worth it waiting for the perfect time for you to put out a thing for, and like I said, I know there's people who have financially backed, you know, a potentially a born of Osiris record. You have to recoup those costs, so on and so forth. I get all that as to why things have to be done a certain way. But all that being said, I also feel like at a certain point, somebody has to kind of, I think, realize like, well, fuck it. Like everything's just up in the air now and we need to figure out how to, make this work maybe you know and i forget who it was someone said um maybe what band should start doing is if you recorded 12 12 songs for the new record whatever the record is born of osiris solo whatever that we release these three here's an ep yeah and like two three months later here's another one and you roll it out over the course of a year it's all the same shit it's the whole fucking record so it'll sound continuity wise the same but it's over a slower over a longer period of time it's almost what you're doing front loading the promotional cycle for a record but you're just extend like expanding it and i feel like that would almost be a better way to do it to where you're able to put out stuff consistently to where you're not getting the thing of like when someone's like well when's the next thing you come out motherfucker i just put out a whole record aren't you good with that well yeah i already listened to it okay well cool dude guess what we got two more songs coming out in two months that'll tide you over yep i think that uh so I was subscribed solely to the we will release it a year when we can tour again. But now things are happening much slower than I thought. So we're at this point, we're pretty much hoping we have a timeline now. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> I can't necessarily speak on it yet. It's no, for sure. It's my solo thing. But um, at this point in time, we have a timeline and it's in motion, starting with filming those videos I talked about that will drop uh, in less than a month. So we're on go mode basically hmm. uh, because I, and by the way, I want to say I like your plan. So I'm actually thinking about doing that with the solo stuff because I have four new songs for a third record. I'm thinking about dropping a couple of those before my second solo. So there's a gap that's not just silence, but as far as born, we're just, we've just kicked ourselves into gear. So we're moving forward. Um, I think summer, summer ish, fall ish. Again, I, I can't even say that. I can't tell you because things change, but um what I can say is we're kind of at the point your question was, when is it just like two, two enough is enough and it's been enough. So we're in go mode. We're filming videos next month, even though it's pretty close though, cause it's the end of January, um, February videos. I think you'll see songs as soon as within the next few months. And yeah, we're going to do a couple of singles. They will be on the album, but we're not going to give you like four of them and give you half the album. <laughs> so it'll be a lead up. And then, yeah, we're hoping I would love to start touring in the fall because I know that our album will be out by then winter, but 
I'm not going to say that I'm expecting it. I can just say <laughs> hoping. Out of curiosity, just because I know, and this will kind of be my like legit last question. Um, <laughs> so obviously vinyl was a big thing that a lot of people have been re-getting into. Like I'm a big vinyl collector. And obviously for a while, your lead times were about five, six months to get your records. Mm-hmm. With the with the pandemic that we've been in, have you been able to like get all that squared away? So like by the time, like, you know, you got your masters, everything's good to go. You can send your record out to get pressed. So by the time you are ready to roll out, potentially all like everything that normally would take another month or two to, to, to fulfill orders and so forth. Are you guys at the point at least like because of this, that you are able to at least be ahead of even that where you're like, cool. When we roll out, we are good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, especially because I was trying to roll out a vinyl for my solo record because my podcasters uh, followers are actually asking about it. We got it done, but in the middle of a pandemic, it took, I think three months just to even get a test pressing. So yeah, for born, we're making sure that we're ahead of the curve on that. And just because there's a lot more money involved in a born release, you know, like my, my solo record, if it mine had to come out to generate the money to make, to pay for the vinyl. Um, and I'm not, and, and I respect that grind. Everything with born with Cyrus feels so streamlined and easy that I don't mind having to earn it again with my solo stuff, which even though I have Sumerian and they treat me very well, like uh, it felt like coming up again with this stuff. And and so, yeah, Born will be sorted in advance. Um, uh, the, the solo one, Infinite Mind, I think they ship next month, but orders came out in November. And, that, and I was talking to them about like that two months before that. So it's been a roller coaster ride to get vinyls. And I don't really know why, but I think someone mentioned something about the, the way that they have to ship in the trucks. I don't really understand that because um, it's just not kind of my profession, but um, I don't know how that affected it, but something with the shipping, maybe it's the materials to make the vinyls, something with the trucks, the shipping got is what I've been told is what's delayed this. Is that an excuse? Possibly they're giving me an excuse. <laughs> I don't know, but that's just what they were telling me. I know I, I definitely would always throw the kitchen under the table uh, when I was a server, I'd be like, oh, you know, like someone else got bumped up because they had to do a reorder. And it was because I completely forgot to bring something in. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I mean, a story. I'm like, do I believe that story? I don't know. But that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I mean, honestly, I feel like in, in your position and in, in the industry, as long as you've been in it, you probably are like deal with that a lot where you're like, do I really believe that? Or is this just some bullshit? So someone can like just have me be like, OK, and then leave them alone. Yeah, yeah. But I got a good team, and if things slow down during a pandemic, it is what it is. You know, a lot of lives have been slowed down, and I'm blessed overall, all things considered, to have the life that I do have. So, perspective. Where Theme of the podcast. Um, where can everyone find you for the different perspectives on your life that you're putting <laughs> out on social media? Yeah, so Lee Osiris, L-E-E-O-S-I-R-I-S is on my personals. I've been doing the YouTube stuff a little bit more, but it's not enough still. And I think that's just <laughs> youtube.com slash Lee McKinney. Um, and then, yeah, Born of Osiris, those are easier to find, um, but they may be Born of Osiris official, Boo official, um, Boo crew, like the Motley crew play. So that's honestly a mess. But um, yeah, you can find <laughs> one thing or another on each uh, on each platform. Well, it was uh, fun chatting with you about this and whatever comes out next, uh, solo record or next born of Osiris or something have to have you come back on and just bullshit again. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, uh, it's right about what you said. Uh, you pull things. 
Well, that was great. I don't know what you just said because the internet just froze up on me. <laughs> I, I was just saying, you're right. You know, you, you were able to pull things out of me as a stranger and I enjoyed the interview and I'll come back anytime. Awesome. So that was my conversation with Lee McKinney of Born of Osiris. Again, his solo record, Infinite Mind, is out now. And uh, yeah, that was a really fun chat. I uh, I really had no idea where that was going to go. And as we're kind of in the throes of it, I was like, should I should I be divulging this much about myself to a stranger? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's a lot, man. Like you, you really uh, opened up. I wouldn't say you gushed all over him or anything, but like, I mean, his reaction though, I think was outlandishly positive uh, in the sense of what you ended up, where he ended up going with, you know, taking it and running with it, you know? It's interesting sometimes when you you do stuff like this in this medium, you almost feel like it gives you carte blanche <laughs> to do it with others. And then when the results aren't the same, you're like, ah, oh, fuck, it's it's me, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, it's um, that uh, that's hard because like even like I did a, I did an interview uh, a while back with uh, Mike from uh, No Bragging Rights and. I kind of did the same thing, you know, as far as um, he's talking to me about like mental health and how people like, uh, you know, approach him all the time. And they want to talk about mental health issues because he's been so outspoken about it, you know, <laughs> like um, and then I was like, oh, OK, cool. Well, um, I know you were saying how that like bums you out, but I'm going to get I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> and tell you one uh, as well. And um, but it, you know, it just it opened up the door to kind of just rip that scab off and and really get into the meat of what is, what is what is actually going on. Um, I think I I mean at this point in my life, I I think mental health is one of the biggest pandemics that we're dealing with right now. Absolutely. Um, I think we're all kind of having issues. You know, there's things I talk to you about. Like my, me, I'm always like, what? I'm always bummed out because I'm like. Oh, how do I make more money and da 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 da? And like that might all seem like dumb and superficial or whatever, but like it's one of those things that like you know, John, you and I have talked about this a lot. How like we do this podcast and we talk to like cool people that are in cool bands and like I'm doing all this stuff and like I'm you know playing games on stream and I'm talking to people day in and day out. But like when I turn that recorder off, when I turn all my lights out or whatever, it's just me again, and I'm just. I'm still like this dude that's like barely making it like financially. And um, I have to deal with everything that kind of comes along with that, you know? Um, and I think a lot of the times this kind of bleeds a little bit into the Dewey chat as well, but like how we're just, for whatever reason, when I turn that microphone on, I flip that camera on. It's like, Hey everybody, how, you know, how are things going? Uh, and I think, I think all of us kind of live like that, you know, uh, with, with everything that we do that we have to, we have to kind of put on that mask. It's like, and it's not like, I feel like I'm being fake with people when I'm doing, you know, podcasts and stuff. And I, I think, I think that's what I liked about this chat the most is that it, it's kind of the antithesis of that. You know, it's, it's the opposite of that mindset of like, yeah, he gets on the microphone and it gets super fake. Whereas this time you get on the microphone and you're being super real. I think for me, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of shows. Um, I'm more interested in the people. I'm more interested in the story than I am necessarily now about the, the music. I, I know for me in doing this now for shit, I think we're coming up on over five years at this point uh, of doing the show. Yeah. And now, especially that I've joined discography discussion, you know, I've, I've made the comment for so long that I feel like listening to music at time is at times is work. Yeah. I have, I have to, when I listen to a record getting ready to talk to someone, I have to 
listen to it to find an interesting question, an interesting talking point. Um, and that sort of, it, I guess it devalues the music a little bit, but it, it really, it lessens the experience. Whereas I used to get excited to open a CD and hear what the record was and, and open it up and look at the liner notes and do all those kind of things. Now, I mean, that's not really an option much anymore. And on top of that, you just get to the point where you're like, well, I mean, like, uh, why am I, why am I listening to this again? Like, right. what, 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 like, okay, I'm talking to so-and-so what, what's, what's my talking point in this. And it just, it becomes less fun to listen to music, honestly. And so for me, I think I'm trying to find a happy medium and something, you know, I think I said in the chat was, you know, a big thing for my therapy has been trying to set boundaries. You know, I, I've referenced a couple of times, you know, the night that basically made me decide that I needed to go to a therapist with you basically like not with you or because of you but like you saw the aftermath of what i went through yes. yeah and it's a thing where i i feel like in this this last maybe six to eight months of the show you know whereas before at times we've made jokes you and i on the show privately whatever we'd made jokes about like oh well so-and-so won't come on our show because they don't drink Fuck yeah. them, yes and, you know, as you've noticed in the last couple episodes, like, you know, Dewey's Dewey doesn't drink. We didn't really talk about that too much uh, with Dave. You know, he's straight edge. He doesn't drink. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really talk about it in this episode. It just, I mean, we, as you heard what you heard, uh, there was really no reason to bring up any of that kind of stuff. Um, but there are a couple of people that are coming up soon. Uh, they're sober, too. And I've realized that, you know, perspective you know, was a big thing throughout this whole conversation. It has been a big thing in the last couple episodes of this podcast. My perspective has changed. And I think instead of, you know, I'm fine with talking about a beer. I'm literally drinking a beer right now. I'm drinking a new Holland holiday ale. It's fucking delicious. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore because the holiday's over. Uh, they just hoard beer. But the thing is, is I realize we do have a platform. And it wasn't until talking to my therapist and talking to, you know, my, my dad recently, uh, where he had made the comment about like, when you have people listening, what do you feel like you should do with your platform? Do you ever think about that? And I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't know people. I mean, yeah, I know people listen, but like, I don't know. It's not that many people. And I didn't really get the point of what he was saying. And it's like, we do have a platform. We do have a responsibility. I think at times, yes, I love talking about beer. I love talking about a good beer, a good craft cocktail, a good spirit, whatever the fuck. Totally. Uh, but my thing is, there's also value in those that have earned the right to overcome their addictions and so forth and be able to talk about these things to help others that may be listening. And, you know, maybe the conversation we're having with someone in, in talking about their sobriety, they'd be like, fuck, this is what I need. I need to go down this road, too. And I feel like we need to approach the other side of this and, and treat it just as equally and fairly as we do you know, the drinking aspect of it. What's more brutally honest, B-R-U-T-A-L-L-Y, what's more brutally honest than admitting that you have faults and admitting that you have addiction issues and so forth and that you need help or needed help to overcome them? Yeah, and that's something that I haven't really thought about either. People are listening. Uh, what You know, what do you want to do with that platform? Oh, well, I talk about metal. That's what I do with my platform. You know, uh, it's pretty clear, <laughs> you know. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also like in a position where, yeah, people are listening and there's a certain degree of people that listen that care what I think. Maybe they maybe they don't. But um, 
I think it is important, especially when we are talking about serious things like mental health or talking about um, sobriety, you know, and recovery and, and all of these topics that there there does need to be a certain amount of, of reverence, I guess, to those subjects and give them the proper weight that they deserve. Um and, you know, I think I think early on when it's like, oh, this person doesn't want to come on our show because they don't, you know, they're going they're they're sober or whatever. I don't necessarily think it was because we were like, oh, if they don't drink. They're not cool. You know, like no, it wasn't that sort of thing. Um, but I think it also, you know, when your platform is is, you know, talking about craft beers and talking about cocktails and things like that. Um I think maybe it was a little short-sighted early on to just be like, well, pff, they think that's all we're about. That's ridiculous. And da, 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 da. I mean, but, but how do they know? Because like, that's something that's very, very serious and very important to them. And, you know, they don't want us to like, they, they don't want to, they don't want to sign in to, you know, our stream yard here. And John and I are just like throwing one after another back, you know, <laughs> huh? King Mothership. King Mothership. That's right. Yeah. If you want a good example of that, go there. Or as a late morning episode on discography discussion. Yeah. Luckily, we weren't on video for any of those. But um, I, I think that, like, I think it is important to be to be honest. Like, I'm not because, like, I lately, um, like, I'll just say it. Like, I have significantly cut my alcohol intake out. Same. Um, I don't. I barely drink at all. Like, I mean, I sometimes for the show or like on a live stream, I might. Uh, I might pull a beer out, but like, I'll just kind of nurse the whole thing through the whole, uh, live stream. Um, but, and it's not even necessarily out of any type of moral obligation. Like, I don't think that like, I'm going to like corrupt people by doing so. Um, mostly it was just for my health and realizing that like, you know, if I'm sitting in front of a computer and I'm not burning (laughs) those calories off, um, then what's the point? You know, if you multiply how many calories in a beer times four or five, you know, and if you're a guy like me, you have to drink quite a bit to get like anything out of it, you know? <laughs> um, so like, those are the kind of things that like, I feel like we should be more open to talk about, you know, but I think that the show itself, even for a while made me feel like I had to do it. You know what I mean? Like I had to drink and it be part of the thing. And like, everybody always makes fun of me. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, Dan drinking his gas station beer that you can buy anywhere uh, in America or whatever. But you know, again, it, you'll look at my previous statements about being broke, you know, uh, <laughs> those sort of things. Um, but I, that, that's the thing that I've come to really enjoy about doing the show is I feel like now in 2020, I feel like we're more honest about everything than we've ever been 2021. Sorry. Um, but I feel like we're, it, it extends to 2022. I think we got, <laughs> I, think, I think we got, I think we got pretty, um, I think we got more brutally honest in the traditional so B R U T A L Y uh, honest the, uh, this, these past six months than I think we have been in a long time because it's just one of those, like, we're not going out and hanging out with anybody really. So like we, we kind of really only have each other, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, in, in that regard, I think that it would be doing you guys listening a disservice, um, for us to be trying to keep up some sort of charade of like party, 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 drink, 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 party, party, talk to rock star, talk to rock star, drink, 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 party, party, party. It is one where at times I feel like the name of the show is the hindrance. Then at times the the real meaning behind the show comes through and the real meaning behind the show came through in this episode. And I think kind of has, like you said, it's, it's turned 
Um, I'm not entirely sure people are super stoked on it. Um, as far as, as, as kind of where we've, we've gone and changed, but I think like with some of your favorite bands, um, you know, they grow, they become, they're not the same people they were initially. I'm not this, I'm not necessarily the same person I was when I started this podcast five years ago. Dan probably isn't quite the same person he was when he started discography discussion, almost in the same time frame. Dude, back then I wouldn't even talk about new metal. I was like, new metal is not cool. It's not even real music. You know, like you change. I mean, even on top of that, I think just in the time frame that Dan and I have been doing this show together, which I think now at this point has been three years. Yeah, three years or so. Yeah. Um, That at this point, I feel like Dan and I have gotten to really know a lot more about each other and have kind of changed even our dynamic. Um, I think we've kind of grown into our roles before. I probably would have been a lot more like I need to I need to stress getting Dan on interviews. And I just kind of have realized that it's like interviews are a very weird thing. Uh, if you've never gone a podcast or had to schedule them, uh, you'll understand how sometimes the window of opportunity is literally like, here's a two hour block and you're probably taking your lunch doing it. To, yeah. We, and, we've both done that. And it's, it's <laughs> a know? thing where it's not me being like, Oh, I don't want Dan on this. It's just like, well, I need to get, we need to get the interview for an episode to have content. And I'm the one that's available to do it. And, uh, it just kind of is what it is. And I don't, f- I feel bad still that Dan isn't able to do these, but Dan, because of how, you know, everything exists, like, you know, he's, he sees the emails, he sees the things and, you know, I'm communicating like, Hey, I think I'm close to getting this person or whatever he knows. And in some instances, it actually parlays into him getting to do something over on discography discussion or discuss metal. So it kind of comes back in a completely different realm to where like, you know, he's able to do his own thing. But I think that's the thing is, even in the time that we've been together, we've learned to grow within even what we do and how we work together, uh, our working relationship. And as a whole, like, you know, that's something that I think Lee and I were kind of talking about is just kind of being okay with yourself. And sometimes it, it takes a little while, a, a bit of a journey to get through. Um, I mean, that's why his album is called the infinite mind. That's why he's kind of obsessed with time. That's why yeah, yeah. a lot of the things that we talked about, we're able to be talked about because we've, we have grown as people. And I know this is a very long winded episode between the actual conversation and the intro and the outro that we're currently doing. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping this up. Um, if you'd like to keep up with Lee, it's really simple. Uh, you can go to Facebook at Lee McKinney official Instagram and Twitter at Leo Cyrus. Uh, again, check out his podcasts, infinite mind and MMA, the art of the breakdown, which is actually under the same feed as the infinite mind. So if you're looking for those podcasts, look for it under the infinite mind. And, uh, he just dropped uh, some new music and it sounds like, as you heard uh, newborn of Osiris music, uh, already is in the can and even more newborn of Osiris music is being worked on currently. So, uh, when touring resumes, it looks like born of Osiris will have a lot of material for everybody to, uh, to really sink their teeth into and, uh, really want to take the time to thank Lee for, for coming on the show and to, for just being so open and honest. I mean, I already reached out to him after the fact and, and said those things, but hopefully you really got a, a, a newer sense of who Lee is as a person. I know I definitely did. Um, and it's one that has led to a really, I think, good conversation uh, on either side of it from between Dan and I. And hopefully, uh, maybe this is something you needed to hear mm-hmm. to help you uh, make some decisions for yourself that maybe you've been thinking about. Uh, you know, maybe getting some therapy, maybe, you know, going into a, a sober lifestyle or whatever, uh, just getting healthier in general. 
Uh, none of those things are a terrible thing to start looking into. I mean, I'm 36 and finally went to a therapist. Um, so it's never too late. And uh, at the end of the day, all anyone wants to be and wants you to be is your best self. So um, I'll turn it over to Dan so he can uh, kind of tell you where his best self is on the internet. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I can be found. I don't know about best self, but uh, I can be found over on discussmetal.com and uh, recently. So, so can John, um, you know, for discography discussion and uh, discuss metal, uh, my other two podcasts and um, three now I actually just started a podcast with my friend Rance um, talking all about old school first person shooters. And uh, we've got that uh, podcast over on YouTube. If you want to watch me or follow me on YouTube, uh, you can search for Discuss Metal Dan. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to ring that bell so that you get notified every time we drop a new video. And, um, yeah, so you can always send me an email at show at gmail.com. Uh, you can also um, hit me up on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. Uh, you may even be able to find me on Facebook uh, under Daniel Terry. So, uh, yeah, if you uh, need to chat, let me know. And if you would like to keep up with this podcast, it is very simple. BrewSpeakPod.com, your landing page for everything this podcast. Um, not really going to go into anything else. Everything is literally there. Um, if you would like to keep up with our sponsors, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we're going to start up with Rockability.com. Uh, head on over there. They have over 500,000 items in their online store. Everything is 100% officially licensed. So not only are you supporting Rockabilia, you're supporting us, but you're also supporting the thing you love, whether it be a TV show, the band, whatever. Uh, it's, a, it's a big old festival circle of love, and uh, that's greatly appreciated uh, all around. And if you use our code BREW, you'll save 10% off your total purchase order. So there's more love, and that's more winning. Um, I don't know if those two things go together. I don't know if you have a love-win Venn diagram, but if you did... Brutally speaking, and Rockabilia would be kind of right in the middle of it. So check them out and uh, support them. Uh, we're actually going to have Frankie on. I know we've been talking about having Frankie on, but we're actually going to have Frankie on. I think we're doing the interview uh, next Saturday as of when you're listening to this. So uh, hopefully Dan can join in on that, uh, depending on when we schedule it. And it'll be a lot of fun kind of picking his brain uh, about being in an industry that I've been in for a little bit and is is kind of an interesting one. Um, but look forward to that in the next couple of weeks. And the Bean Bastard Coffee... I know there are a lot of people who love coffee. I'm not necessarily a big coffee drinker, but I do love everything the Bean Bastard has put out. So head on over to thebeanbastard.com. Pick up some of their delicious coffee. Let them know that we sent you over there. Head on over to their Facebook and Instagram page at the Bean Bastard. And last but not least is On Point Palmade. A lot of cool things going on over there. I uh, love their products. I can't wait to get my haircut so I can actually start putting it up again and uh, using their beard oil. I'm actually growing out my, my shitty facial hair again. So I'm going to do that. And uh, I still need to hit up Maddie soon to get some uh, new products to send out to Dan, who has a way bigger and better beard than I do. Um, I don't know how much of the pomade he can really use, but hey, uh, at least one of the products he'll be able to use. Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's definitely some stuff I could really use. So <laughs> it's getting a little, uh, it's getting a little dry and crusty up here, dude. I, I mean, that's something like, as I grow mine out, like my, I feel like my face just gets destroyed for like after about a month. And I'm like, is this normal? Do like most people's like faces just kind of like revolt against them for growing out hair. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the time, like for me, the thing I hate the most about my beard and I wish there was some sort of like coloration that would actually work, but like my hair is a different color than my beard hair. And that's just, um, that's hard, hard to deal with, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
So on point pomade, keep your beard and hair looking on point. Uh, use our code BSP15 and save 15% off your total purchase order. Uh, I want to thank all those guys uh, for helping us out uh, with the sponsorships. Uh, definitely need to get Manny Mullins back on the show. I see he's out in Seattle right now doing something. I think I know what's going on, but uh, maybe you do too if you follow him. But uh, on point pomade, go check them out. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. And uh, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We'll see you all next week with Joanna Angel. Yeah, we will.